Stand by to receive our transmission. Where are you boys from in the world? Alabama, sir. I got a bad feeling about this. Welcome to the Bama Geeks Podcast. We're four friends diving into our favorite pop culture topics with a dash of Southern charm. Right, we have the tools, we have the talent. It's Miller time. Whoa, this is heavy. Pizza dude's got 30 seconds. Wait, what? Crazy? You didn't say I was crazy. You got the wrong guy. I'm the dude, man. You want something done, you've got to do it yourself. Be excellent to each other. Party on, dudes! So grab your biscuits and gravy, a glass of sweet tea, and enjoy the nerdy hospitality of Brock and Jessica Parker, Bo Bearden, and Kevin Gardner. This is the way. This is the way. Every town has an Elm Street. Hi, welcome into the Bama Geeks. You know exactly what we're going to be talking about this episode, because Halloween is almost here, and we're going to just talk about one of our favorite horror franchises, because tis the season. Hope you're doing well. I'm Brock Parker. With me, as always, it's Kevin. Hey, it's Jessica. Once again, I'm still here. It's Bo. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and he's not asleep. We're not in his dreams right now. Or are sure about we? that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody set the alarm. We're all wide awake. So yeah, we're going we're gonna to talk about A Nightmare on Elm Street, the entire franchise. Uh, we've all got recent viewings. And of course, we've seen these movies for a lot of years. And uh, so some of us have some personal stories. I've got one that I cannot wait to share. But uh, we'll get into that in just a minute. Uh, if you're not seeing us on social media a whole lot, which, by the way, is at Bama Geeks, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube. But if you're not seeing us on social media a whole lot, it's because about a week ago, well, as of as of this recording. So mm-hmm. for you listening to this has probably been a couple of weeks. New York City Comic Con, New York Comic Con. Uh, we had some friends go up there and went to the Ghostbusters panel with Ivan and Jason Reitman and the cast, uh, the, the new cast of the of Ghostbusters, not the OG guys. They did not make an appearance, but they did a panel while they were up there. And all of a sudden in a room full of 2000 people, Jason says, hey, you guys have been patient enough. Please don't spoil anything. Here's the movie. What? Yeah. So we have some friends who have seen Ghostbusters Afterlife. They are very good friends because they are not saying a doggone word about any of it. However, in a room of 2,000 people, there's going to be some people who are keyboard happy and want to talk about it and spoil it. So most of us have made the conscious decision to stay the heck off of social media. I have not seen my personal Facebook page in about a week. Actually, no. Yeah, this is about nine days. Yeah. And I was uh, not too far behind you there, Brock. Just don't want to take any chances. I mean, as soon as we start kind of feeling safe that we get back on there, something's going to pop up, I feel. So 
And you know what? This hasn't been actually a, a terrible thing <laughs> to take a little bit of a break. Yeah, it's, it's actually been really nice. We were talking about that pre-show. It's been quite liberating mental health. Quiet. Wise. Yeah, it's, it's been terribly quiet. Not terribly. It's been mm-hmm. awesomely quiet. <laughs> I haven't been on Twitter outside of my work accounts. And I did sneak back onto Instagram. I feel that's the safest. Mm-hmm. But I'm not, is, I'm, yeah. I'm not spending any time on it. I'm posting things once in a blue moon and then mm-hmm. I'm jumping off. I don't want to take any chances. Yeah. Facebook, you and I have the same strategy with that. Yeah. 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 Facebook, I'm avoiding. I'm not even, you know, you can share things off Instagram to Facebook. I'm not even doing that. I don't want people to get the idea that I'm on there because I, I'm not going to lie. I get anxiety when I see all these notifications pop up on my phone. <laughs> I hate phone notifications. I hate for my phone to light up. I hate to see that little red dot that tells me I've got a notification. Hate it. I've not had that this week. It's been wonderful. But yeah, we're we're staying off social media until we see Ghostbusters Afterlife for the most part. So yeah, the Bama Geeks accounts are kind of suffering because of that because I'm not touching it and none of us are touching them. And But you know, you'll see us. You'll see us. Yeah, we, we, we love you guys. We absolutely love you guys, but we also don't want to be spoiled mm-hmm. uh, by the movie. This is, is this movie is incredibly important to all, pretty much all of us here. Oh, yeah. um, and, you know, obviously we want to go into it fresh, the same as we all went to into watching the movie fresh when we were younger. Um, so we don't want to be spoiled. And as you guys know, at this day and age on the internet, it is very, very easy to get trolls who like to do that. And you yeah. know, this is so. a serious thing when the interdimensional cross rip podcast mm-hmm. has decided to take a hiatus, uh, Christopher Stewart and, Troy Benjamin. Yeah. Wait, they, they put their podcast on hiatus because they didn't want to go down the rabbit hole of trying to chase news for fear of finding something out. Mm-hmm. Those guys did it six years straight, never missing a week. Yeah. And they said, bye. This is a weird, this is a very weird, like, I guess, uh, side effect of them showing that, like, you know, you would think they would want all the hype leading up to it coming from every angle. And then as you said, like a lot of folks, I'm still hanging out on social media. I've had to mute a couple of people because uh, Mm -hmm. around the time that I know that everybody was talking about avoid the international trailer. Mm -hmm. Well, someone posted an image from it. While it wasn't nothing storyline wise Mm -hmm. spoilery, it was an image that would have looked a heck of a lot cooler seeing on the screen versus then a bad cam shot yeah. on yeah on uh so that, that so I've, I've gone and started muting people for yeah. the next 30 days same I, I saw that same image from the same person and i i love him but he got snoozed for 30 days even though i'm yeah. not on it no yeah yeah and he's this person has always also made it known that he doesn't care he'll take he wants spoilers. He don't we care. Have, yeah. spool, we have several, spool, spool, and well, yeah. we have several friends who well, say bring on the spoilers, and like that's fine for you, but that's my cue to exit. I'm gone. Yeah. yeah. But uh, you know this this movie is something we've been waiting for more than thirty years. Mm-hmm. This is uh, the sequel that, from what we're hearing, is the sequel that we have wanted, and so I take no chances. I mean, I I really hate social media anyway, even though I'm on there all the time. I have to be because of work and because of, you know, hobbies like this. And I I definitely want to keep up with friends, but deep down, I hate social media. I despise it. And this is giving me a break and I'm, I'm going to enjoy it. (laughs) (laughs) It's worth that peace of mind. Yeah. Social media was fun when it first started, but these past few years, it's gone downhill tremendously for me. 
And we could really go down a rabbit hole of talking about this, Good. but yeah. we would really like yeah, yeah, to talk yeah, yeah. about Freddie with you guys. Yes. Let's put the social media talk to sleep. <laughs> oh, good Ooh. one. Yes. Nice. So, <laughs> we're going to get into the fun stuff. We're going to get into my all-time favorite horror franchise. I do not care if you think it was cheesy, if it's not as scary as it once started out. I don't care. I love Freddy Krueger. I adore this villain. Yes. He's my all-time favorite horror villain. And we're, we're just going to discuss the entire franchise, because why not? Sure. So, Nightmare on Elm Street came out 1984. Mm. Came out the same year as our topic we just stopped talking about. So, <laughs> it was a good year. But uh, Wes Craven uh, had, a, had a, a wonderful idea uh, apparently, he had read an article, I think it was the Los Angeles Times. Yes. Where people, he had read an article about people dying in their sleep and, and dying in their dreams and, and, and dying in real life. And so uh, that kind of gave him the inspiration for A Nightmare on Elm Street. And it turns out that there's a, a, there was a guy who used to bully him named Freddy Krueger. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. So there you wow. go. Take your bully and make him famous. <laughs> well, and, and not only was there that bully, he also tells the story of a guy that he would seen roaming his neighborhood. Older guy had a hat on, you know, just had that very creepy presence. And he told a story where one night in his, he heard the guy passing by the house. So he sticks his head out the window and he makes eye contact with the guy. And he immediately, he'll tell you, he ducked down and he oh. waited, hoping that the guy had passed by. He popped his head back up to look at the wind and the guy was still just staring right at him. And he said, that's just the way the guy looked at him. He was delighted in the fact that he had kind of caused this. You could tell by the look on the guy's fear. face. He took pleasure in giving uh, that little bit of fear to him as well. And I'm sure preying on people's fear, because I mean, essentially the most the time you're most vulnerable is when you're asleep. Exactly. I mean, that's, that's, <laughs> yeah. You have no, you're in a yeah. situation, you have no control, you're vulnerable. Exactly. What, what better way to oh. come at somebody? Yeah. Especially since science has really never been able to explain yet why we actually sleep. It's, it's, it's this big unknown mm -hmm. anyway. So, yeah. I mean, being able to attack us in that, in that, point where we're the most vulnerable that's that's probably why i like freddy the most is, mm -hmm. is it's it was a concept that i don't know i'm sure it had been explored before in, in horror movies but no one has really ever done it like freddy right yeah i i didn't know anything really about a nightmare on elm street back in in that time because you know i was too young to see it but mm -hmm. i think around the time that a nightmare on elm street three came out dream warriors that was the first time i saw it and it was because i was in middle school and had gone over to a friend's house and he had he had the first three on on vhs and he's like hey do you want to watch this and i'm like i don't i'm not supposed to you know <laughs> watching this stuff it's like that's okay so we stayed up watching those three movies all night and that was not a good idea being that young <laughs> That that's where I I was automatically hooked. It was in the late '80s when I first saw those three movies, and golly, I, even even my mom 
bought me. We were, at, I think we were at a gas station and they had like this little bitty Freddy figure that, uh-huh. that had a suction cup. Uh, the suction cup, you could stick it to the window, had a string hanging down and, you know, Freddie would swing back and forth and she bought that for me. She's like, I really don't approve of this. I'm like, yeah, but he looks neat. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that, that began my obsession with him. But, uh, yeah, Freddie and, and, and I'll, I'll just hit you with some trivia right off the bat. Yeah. We're, we're going to slightly touch on the remake, which should have never been made. Mm-hmm. But Jackie Earl Haley, the story is Jackie Earl Haley, who played Freddie in the reboot, actually took Johnny Depp to his audition. And he also auditioned for the original role of right. Freddie. So kind of a, I guess he got his wish so many years later to play Freddie. He, and he, he did okay. It was just the story was, Yeah. But yeah, I, I I didn't find that out till a few nights ago. We were watching a special on the movies, and yeah, Jackie Earl Haley uh, tried out in eight, in the uh, mid eighties for Freddy Krueger. But that uh, that uh, that also was Johnny Depp's first movie appearance. Yes, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it was Nightmare on Elm Street. And and let's just let's just get into the let's talk about that movie. Let's talk about the first one uh, yeah. and just how that one was scary. Yeah, it was. <laughs> Yes. Well, that one for sure set the stage. You know, that's that, that's the one that defined Freddy. That's the one that that yeah that that all hooked us and just just you know just how the the story doesn't just like start with it. You know, it's it, it kind of flows into it, and then you just start seeing things happening. Uh, just just the way that he set the the whole movie up. That that was what kind of got me. And I mean, granted, you know, I was let's see, how old was I? I'm gonna show my age here a little bit. I was four when that came out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, obviously didn't see it when I was four. I didn't see it till a little bit later. But yeah, that was that that was an incredibly scary experience for a kid. Knowing that, you know, oh my God, now, you know, we, we've seen all kinds of scary movies. Oh great, now we've got somebody who can attack me when I'm sleeping. What the <laughs> heck, man? <laughs> As if I didn't already have enough nightmares in my life. Now I gotta worry about the possibility of of watching a Seeing being scared by watching a movie about a guy that can kill me when I'm asleep. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And specifically, all his targets are ch- are children or teenage folks. Right. Mm-hmm. I think I think I was like 13 or 14 when I saw the first yeah. movie. Mm-hmm. So like that was that would be 1992, 93. So I mean, heck, the franchise yeah. was essentially almost over by the time I saw the first movie. But I didn't didn't watch a whole lot of horror movies when I was younger. I watched a few in my teenage years. That's. I would say I saw. See, I guess before we get into it, up until me rewatching the newer movies, mm-hmm. I'd only seen the first and second movie. Yeah, and the se- second movie has probably been around the time I was fifteen last time I saw it. So this was all new, fresh experience or a uh, reintroduction, especially for the first two movies. But yeah, that first movie, like like you said, a lot of the iconic imagery is all introduced. The house, mm-hmm. which to me, like that's something I, as a series goes on, the house becomes its own character. Right. But like I said, we'll get to that. Yeah. I uh it, I was talking to Jess what yesterday about that house and mm-hmm. how it would be kind of because we're eventually gonna build our forever home. Uh. I was like, why don't we at least have <laughs> the front porch area 
It looks like that. <laughs> I'm not opposed to it. I think I think you guys are borrowing trouble. Yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah. all for it. There's a house down in Auburn, Alabama, that actually looks like the uh, the Nightmare on the Street house. I love that house. I, I, it went up for sale while I was living down there and couldn't, you know, didn't have plans to buy a, another house at that time. So didn't didn't pursue it. But I would love to have it because it's a two story and the, the doorway, everything. It's it's identical to the uh, the original Nightmare House. Yeah, I was really shocked when you had told me, Bo, about the fact that you had never seen, you had not even seen thing past part two. Because I was just thinking that that's just wild to to think that being that the movies are what they are and they're popular and the franchise is what it is. So I was I was really shocked to hear that. Yeah, well, like I don't know, like I said, I I like horror movies, but it was like not one of those things. Like I got to watch a horror movie or nothing. I don't know. It's kind of weird. It's the yeah. Like I try not to get too far ahead, but yeah. Like so I've seen the first one. Like, probably the last time I'd up until I'd watched the first movie since we're talking about it was uh, I watched uh, up until here recently. I watched it the first first time I watched this. I was a teenager. I watched at Brock's house uh, that time when he had he got the Blu-ray set and we watched it that one time. I crashed over. I was like, oh man, you got this on Blu-ray. I got to check this out on Blu-ray. You know, it was my- we had a. I guess I probably. Trying to think when I I can't remember the exact point that I ever saw the first movie, but if I had to kind of go back in my memory, I'm gonna say honestly, it was I could have been about maybe I I would dare to say eight or nine years old mm-hmm. when I saw wow. the first one because that's young. Well, and I because we had a you're just in the neighborhood and your friends and everything, you know, you started getting to that point where everybody wanted to get together and watch scary movies. And I can't say for certain, but if I had to guess, I would say that I was probably around eight or nine years old when I was exposed to part one and part two. Then the reason why I say that, not to jump ahead too far, was because I saw part three in the theaters in 1987 when I was 10 years old. Oh, wow. My aunt took me to see that movie. So I was... I, that's why I'm going back to that part in my age because I was already pretty familiar, a fan of Freddy and the Nightmare movie. So you know, hey, I'm just going to take you to see the movie at t- <laughs> ten years old, rated R. But I had an adult with me, so all's good. <laughs> so you, you <laughs> said you saw the first good. one. <laughs> well, all was good with the theater you- for me to go see it. So what was that like for someone so young? Like, did you see it with friends? Like you said, yes, it was with friends. You know, because you you would get together with your friends with your slumber parties and things like that. Of course, you know, it's all about staying up late and watching movies. And I guess from what I can remember, what I can recall, that's kind of where I think that I got introduced to start watching horror movies, whether it be Nightmare on Street or Friday the Thirteenth or Halloween, things like that. I even think I started watching Carrie at some point in, during that time frame. This is why we get along. Good old kid slumber parties. Yeah. Do you remember if it gave you nightmares? I don't know. Maybe it did. I think I was 10 or 11 when I first saw the, the first three movies. Mm-hmm. When, Like I said, I was in middle school. So I was 10 coming out of fifth grade. So yeah, probably 11 mm-hmm. is when I saw the first three. And I did have nightmares. I do remember that. But I, I loved them. I was hooked. Well, the first movie is is my favorite, hands down. I guess because, you know, nothing, to me, nothing beats the original, yeah. the original story. 
or the original telling of the story and how it started out. The character, Nancy, just, to me, she is hands down the best horror movie female character of all time. I'll say it works good because it comes back to, like I said, we'll get to it later, especially like with, with New Nightmare, you know. Yeah, like Nancy, like it was like, you know, let's say she was the, you know, she was the cliche, not really the cliche damsel in distress, but she was the the object of Freddy's, mm-hmm. uh, you know, attempt, attempt to try to kill, you know. But yeah. essentially, you know, she wasn't always technically harmless. She was always fighting him or finding ways with her friends and everything. Mm-hmm. And she was a strong female. Well, well that's... Which- yeah. I mean, that, that's the that's that, that's the big deal in a, in a horror flick. You know, that was you know a good, strong female lead. That was awesome. Yeah. Well, that's like that outside of the second movie, which we'll get to here in a minute. But the whole entire series is a very strong female yeah. driven series. Like I mm-hmm. I didn't re- I, as me rewatching the whole entire series, watching, I was like, man, this is this is like, I mean, like that's cool. I mean, you know, where people talk about nowadays where we needed more of that stuff. There was that stuff there. You just wasn't paying attention to it, I think. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, there wasn't nearly uh, as much as you had male leads, but I mean, it was definitely there and it was yeah. very prominent, um, especially when you looked in the, the horror franchise like mm-hmm. that. That yeah. was that was huge. You know, and Nancy, not only I don't feel like she she was just putting up the fight for her herself. She was also, you know, fighting for her friends and to help to keep them alive as well. But being that so many females and I, I, I I'm just saying this because it's the 80s and. Not implying anything, but there were so many female leads, and you know, Freddie's favorite word is female uh, dog. He yeah. says that word more than than <laughs> any other word in the entire franchise. I think, but I I think it's an antagonizing word for you know a series with a female driven like lead character who's combating him. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. That might be, you know, outside of, you know, him, you know, tearing reality, that word, you know, could be his, his, his big comeback type thing. You know what I mean? It's he, he says it an awful lot. That was one thing I, oh, yeah. I was noticing the other night was when we were going back there. I'm like, he really does use that word quite mm-hmm. a bit. Yeah. <laughs> but what? I wouldn't expect anything less from him yeah. to, to yeah. use that against a female at, at the whole point you know, his his whole thing is. You know, one thing about Freddy is that he knows that, you know, he can get killed. He can kill you instantly and immediately. But he delights in the antagonizing or mm-hmm. in, you know, the def- in the fear that he is trying to cause within that victim to antagonize them to that point. Yep. He's like a little cat, too. He's, yeah. you know, he plays with plays his with his. Yeah, he plays with his victims before he kills it. And because he's got claws. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, those claws, you know, hey, claws are just an extension of that evil and that anger. First, I've never really thought of it that way, that he was like a cat, but that actually makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's a really, really good comparison. It is. Because, I mean, he, you know, he's kind of a, he, he just he, he just likes to play with his victims, yeah. you know. And he wants to kill you just like cats. <laughs> cats yep. are murderous. I'm sorry. And, hey, uh, I'm, I'm a big cat fan. I've had cats and I will absolutely agree. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They, they, they do. They do want to kill you. Mm-hmm. He's not wrong. Anything. We have two in our household, too. So I, he's not wrong. <laughs> well, um, you plotting on me, boy. <laughs> <laughs> well, the let's get into kind of the meat of this franchise and how it starts mm-hmm. off in this first movie. And what it basically comes down to is the children paying for the sins of their parents. And you watch how Nancy's parents 
in particular, you know, they're they're realizing that their actions in the past are now contributing to the deaths and these and what's going on with their own children. You know, when Rest Craven was his whole mindset is what, what's one of the worst things that you can possibly be? Someone that harms a child. Someone that, yeah. uh, you know, that the, was the first movie, of course, it was touched that Freddy was a child killer. But we know that Freddy was actually more than just a child killer. Mm-hmm. And that storyline was died down a little bit because I think at the same time that they were filming this, there was a big national news story going on about some pretty disgusting things that were going on with some faculty at a at a school. And they felt like, well, you know, we, we need to pull back on that particular, I'm going to go ahead and say it, child molester storyline. Let's just, he's a child killer. Yeah. And being that, you know, the vigilante justice of these parents at that time, they took it into their own hands. They killed this guy. So his revenge, he's full on revenge now. So what is he going to do? You you took that for me. I'm going to take what you love the most. I'm going to come back for your children. It's it's kind of weird because like the, essentially the thing they did to protect their children wound up great creating the greatest threat to their children. Exactly. Yep. And this is why you see Nancy's mother dive deep into her alcoholic addiction within this movie is that she's realizing that her sins are now causing mm-hmm. this to her child. And of course, you know, they always are looking for a way to get rid of Freddy. You know, he's in their dreams. How do you get rid of somebody that haunts your dreams? Mm-hmm. And of course, in the first Nightmare on Elm Street, that's where you learn that you can bring Freddy into the real world. And that's a, that's, you know, how you take care of business with him. But what was the budget? About a million bucks? I think they said it was about a million dollars for the first movie. And so... They did quite a bit with the practical effects, mm-hmm. you know, for that. They built the big room where it was Tina, the girl that was, yes. you know, you see her as the camera is staying still, you see her going up the walls and on the ceiling and everything else. And they built a big rig. Mm-hmm. They built the room on this big rig that they turned by hand in circular patterns to get her to go. But the camera was mounted where, you know, it was, it was a static mount. So yeah. They did that, and then you know the the scene where Freddie's coming over Nancy's bed as he's as he's stretching through the wall. That was just a, mm-hmm. a sheet. So you know they had to do a lot of really neat practical effects, like when uh, Nancy's going up the stairs at one point, she's stepping in was it oatmeal uh, and yeah, that goop whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was an oatmeal. So you know they made a lot of great practical effects for this such a small budget. And really, you know, New Line Cinema just basically took a chance on this because this script had been turned down everywhere. everywhere. Nobody wanted to touch it. Yeah, and, that's uh, why New Line is called the house that Freddie built. That's right. Yep. <laughs> they took a gamble and it paid off in a big way for them. And of course, the insane amount of blood they used for the the death of Johnny Jeff's <laughs> character. <laughs> wow! Like I don't know what, what do we know is it that was it the blood colored water or the corn syrup type thing? But that is like like the, the whole entire movie. That's and, I, and I'm sure everybody, even the most casual person who's never watched the movie, knows that scene. It's mm-hmm. our age group. Like everybody's seen that visual one way. To me, that's the one thing that sticks out from that movie that I'll always remember. It's very iconic, and they use the same revolving room as they did yeah. in Tina's death to create that effect and mm-hmm. uh one thing they said was you know they had to get it in one shot it, mm-hmm. it was a one shot we got to get this done and when they poured you know the liquid through 
it ended up the lights, the lighting and the electrical. Uh, they said that the guy that was actually pouring the water that down into the hole got electrocuted because of the, <laughs> because of that situation. And oh, then wow. they didn't take into account how the weight was going to shift. So it's, they said that it was kind of, <laughs> the, the, the room was shifting because of the weight, but they got it in that one shot and that was that's it. That's incredible. Yeah. So that's, and then at first they were going to have Johnny Depp's body come back up through the hole and yeah. just like fall splat on the bed. So that, that's the thing that ended up getting cut out. And another one originally in the storyline of the first movie, as we learned later on, that uh, Nancy supposedly had one of the kids that Freddie killed when he went on his spree was uh, one of Nancy's older sibling. Uh-huh. That, so that was like a kind of, I really wish they would have kept that in the storyline. But uh, for some reason, they just felt like it cutting that as well, too. Because to me, it made more, you know, it's like it just her fight against Freddie made it that more memorable. You know, it was more prevalent to the storyline. Mm-hmm. The first Elm Street movie was supposed to be the only one. There was mm-hmm. no plans for a, a sequel <laughs> whatsoever. In fact, Wes Craven stepped away from directing the, the second movie. And uh, Bo, I want to hear your take on on the uh, Freddy's Revenge in Nightmare on Elm Street Two. <laughs> this uh, <laughs> this movie is is known by a certain oh. genre and certain circles. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of like this was like I said I watched it, but I don't like I didn't remember it that well. I remember things from it, but rewatching this one, this one's very interesting. Like. I uh we have friends we know they refer to it as a different uh lifestyle one which that's fine hey you know everybody do everybody but there is like I don't know if that was the intention when they made that movie but there's a lot of uh very well first of all these are supposed to be high school teenage kids and I'm pretty sure the average cast age for the kids were 25 I swear and it's very apparent and then I guess to counteract that these kids are 25 Every adult is at least fifty or older. I, yeah. I don't. It's it's very interesting. Like, don't, don't get me wrong. Like, it's uh, you could definitely tell that this, like, they never meant to make another movie. I guess, like you said, mm-hmm. but like, yes, there's a lot of like guys, a lot of things about remarks about certain clubs. Um, <laughs> well, but, uh, yeah. Well, the director has always said that that was he never, you know, when he was filming it. He he never that never clued into him, yeah. but the the guy that wrote it was like, well, yeah, I mean, I was being very, you know, it was very subtle, but I I knew what I was doing when I wrote this. Yeah. Well, like this is the only one in the series where the main, I guess, victim character is a guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, so this they kind of sparked, which I mean, I understand they wanted to still be thing, but like it's uh, it's called Freddy's Revenge, but. Isn't kind of the whole series Freddy's Revenge? I mean, well, you know. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's all. That's Freddy's whole, that's his whole drive is revenge. So, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. I mean, there's a lot of the things that got me. Like, I got to talk about one of the kills of the scene is where the very aggravating coach character that none of the students <laughs> like, where he gets oh, caught. My. And they he gets dragged into the showers, and then he is, apparently he is stripped by Freddy, and then he is repeatedly whipped on his butt by towels, mm-hmm. like yeah. his gluteus maximus and all its glories. You see all the towel slaps, <laughs> <laughs> and then then he's pretty much he's clawed in from the inside by Freddy. 
other type of thing I'm trying to think like this is just a lot of absurd stuff in this movie. It's like it's not bad, but like like the all right the scene where the birds like the pet bird the family pet birds. <laughs> oh yeah, the, the oversized parakeet. <laughs> yes, they go ballistic. All right, well here's the thing about it. they go ballistic, blow up, but one cuts the dad's face. Right. I swear, is each progressing scene the dad's band aid on his face. Starts from like one of those little Nick band aids to like it's covering half his face by the end of like <laughs> like fifteen minutes after the sequence. <laughs> that like I'm sorry I'm being the one rambling, but like I said, I've got this whole page of thoughts. So let me know when I get go crazy. Tell me to be keep quiet, going. But, all right, I'm trying to think. I'm I'm blanking on the main character's name. Uh, Jesse. 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 Mm-hmm. First of all, Jesse was trying to stay awake. All right. Jesse should be more worried about him taking stay awake pills in 1980s Coca-Cola formula to stay awake than Freddie was. (laughs) (laughs) What's the real danger here? (laughs) Another thing, his best friend, Grady. I don't know if he's his friend or not, because they have a really like weird friendship where they're very degrading to each other, but yet they're friends. Yeah, that also know. kind of plays into that little subtext, ah, too. I got so, you, got you, got yeah, you. Yeah, there's that, you know. And, but yeah. Grady's bedroom looks like a trapper keeper exploded on the wallpaper. <laughs> <laughs> and like, I, I need to get a screen grab because there's a great screen grab. But like, because it's very like for since 80s horror is so popular, mm-hmm. like, why is this not circulated more? But after Freddy explodes out of the body, mm-hmm. He stands up, puts his hat on, draws his claw back, and then you've got that Trapper Keeper background. Like, that's <laughs> 80s horror right there in a perfect thing. Oh, yeah. Totally. You know, that's the whole thing. Is like, you know, Jesse came to Grady's after being, after not being able to be with Lisa. So, of course, yeah. you know, they feed into all that, too. You the know, frustration like, type thing. Yeah. yeah. He's like, because he made the comment. You know, that he left Lisa's and Grady says, yeah, and you you come here to sleep with me. So, yeah, eh. but that was a, you know, the whole thing about this movie is they've tried to, you know, they're trying to tell a new story, whereas Freddie, you know, he does. He's he's trying to find that way to kill into the real world. And what better mm-hmm. way to do that than to possess someone's body to bring yeah. him out, you know, into the real world. And. That infamous pool scene has yes. Robert mm-hmm. England to this day says that was absolutely one of the worst scenes that he probably ever did. It it made no sense. He didn't understand why. What was the whole it was point? whimsical? Yeah. So very like, <laughs> and I, I guess because he was giving it whimsical. A, I mean, it's it is it's comical. It's yeah. bit, like there's there's a lot of comical stuff in this series. But mm-hmm. like what made me think was this we're kind of getting with part two. All right. Since we're talking about it, I swear, I don't know if this is, you know, this movie came out. This came out in 85, right? Or 86? Uh, 85. 85. Mm-hmm. I swear they took inspiration of goat from Ghostbusters for when uh, the main character, once again, I forgot his name. again. Jesse. Sorry. Jess, Jesse. When he is finally freed of Freddy and how his body kind of crumbles off like the terror dog shell. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. If maybe, ah. maybe that was inspiration for it. If not, I'm going to say it is. Because, you know, <laughs> Ghostbusters fan vision here. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Well, how they got Freddy to come out of Jesse's body. Yes. It was a really great effect. It was. Oh, it was fantastic. Man. Watching all these movies and seeing all these practical effects. I would take all these 80s practical effects. I've enjoyed them in any kind of digital effect I've joined in the last 20 years. And I even though I know we have friends that work in digital effect, I appreciate your hard work. But practical, practical. effects forever, baby. Yeah. I mean, that's just because that's what we're child of, you know. The second movie is where I saw recently an interview with Heather Langenkamp. You know, they were talking about 
they they decided not to bring her back for the second one. And this is kind of where, as you were hinting at earlier, the house comes into play. Mm-hmm. Yes, that's right. Yes, the house. They the people moved into the house. Yeah, everything revolves around the house, starting in in part two. Mm-hmm. As far as whoever's in that house is who's who's going to be the target. Mm-hmm. You know, Freddie's going after all the kids of Springwood, but you know, it. But these these had the no ties to him, like how the original story was set up in the first movie. These none yeah. of them. It's not made known, so we're just assuming that none of these particular kids have any ties. But we could be wrong. And we know we know Jesse. They just moved into the neighborhood, so mm-hmm. you know his parents had nothing to do with Freddie's death. Now you know some of the kids, of course, that he was in school with or that were living in Springwood. Their parents very well could have, but the main characters' parents had nothing to do with it. Mm-hmm. He was just using Freddie. Just wanted to use his body as that vessel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Possess and use that to do his killing. So part two ends and we have to wait. When, when did part three come out? 87. 87. So we had to wait a couple of years for part three, but it was worth the wait. Wes Craven's back involved with it. And we get Nancy. She's back. She's helping all the kids in the in the hospital. Well, let me say, my, I, I knew ever I've heard her when speak very highly of part three. Like uh, the the thing that got me was I was watching when I saw the credits open and I saw Dick Cavett and Zaja Gabor listed in these credits. And I was like, all right, this is OK. Yeah. And what a memorable scene that was. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that's when, you know, they, they they got a good budget for it. <laughs> well, they figured they knew they had their uh, they had this money maker on their hands. So, of course, more money. It's like it's kind of like Star Trek The Next Generation, the third season. We knew we had a hit on our hands, so the money just starts getting better for the budgets. You could definitely tell, like, visually. Like, I, like, I'll get into it here in a minute, but some reason why this movie did not feel very 80s. Like, I don't know. Like, I got the more 90s movie vibe out of this. I guess because like, it was that Wes Craven, the more serious tone. Like, after his, I, I don't know, it's kind of weird if it makes sense. But for me, like, it was a very, it felt a little bit ahead of its time. Yeah. Maybe that's what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. Wes Craven was brought back. He originated the story of it, but mm-hmm. New Line kind of didn't like some of the elements of the story that he had brought in. His story was originally darker than what we ended up with. New Line ended up bringing in uh, Frank Darabont and Chuck Russell to help with that storyline. And they kind of brought more imaginative with the dark. So it was like they wanted that balance there. Well, I'd say I, that makes sense now because I want to say of all the ones I watched, this was the one that kind of gave me the heebie-jeebies most with the gore and the unsettling images of like some of the ways that people died or mutilated. Like it was yeah. like, I don't know, like as I've got older, gore's got really weird with me. Like I can't handle it. Well, I can say that certain types like zombie stuff eh, don't bother me. But some of the things like this one, like Philip, when he is basically Freddie has him as a marionette with mm-hmm. his like major veins and arteries. Yes. Like, yeah. Ah, <laughs> that still gets me yeah. to this day, man. That just that, that still creeps me out. And I'm the right tension and that tension in that scene, like you've got all his friends watching him. They cannot do anything to mm-hmm. save him. Yep. And and they knew he was a notorious sleepwalker, but like it was still very like, yeah, right. God. Sorry, <laughs> getting, getting the creepy crawl, the skin crawls thinking about it. Well, there's definitely some memorable effects. In, yeah. Uh, 
and this one, like I said, that one where where he's walking with the veins out of his arms, and of course you got the television scene where where she's in the uh, break room or the uh, the television room, common area, yeah, yeah, she's in there, and well, yeah, <laughs> not gonna repeat the line, but it's one of the most famous Freddy lines, you know, yep. welcome to prime time. Grabs her off the floor and smashes her head into the television, and then of course, uh, the guy who uh, was really happy with the nurse. Yeah, you know his mattress falls away after he's tied up by Freddy's tongues <laughs> on the bedpost. I called the tongue pun before he said it. I was like, "There's going to be something tongue-tied said by this," and I was, and I would be, I was great, proven right. Well, originally, too, that the original idea they had for this scene was that the nurse it would would turn into Freddy. Would yeah. you know? Eventually, it would be Freddy and not the nurse on the bed. But they scrapped that because it just didn't. It was that actress with the prosthesis on her face and it's like ah. well it's just not it's not robert so it's just not going to work like they originally yeah. had planned and funny enough that the guy that was uh plays joey it, it was kind of the same thing that he was actually the, the the bed was fixed up against the wall and he was they had him strapped up there and he said that he'd actually passed out because he had been up there so long hanging like that that it actually had caused him to pass out at one point uh, while they were trying to film this scene. But, you know, three is where Freddie starts getting more vocal. Mm-hmm. But the humor still, even though there was the one-liners, the, it still wasn't to the point to where it. some people, you know, feel like later it got, you know, more cheesy and more comical. But the way he delivers his lines in this particular one was still had that horror effect to it. So it wasn't going over the top to me at this point. And the one thing I really appreciate about Freddie is the fact that he did talk because, you know, it, the slasher films all started with mm-hmm. Michael Myers and Halloween. He didn't speak at all. Right. Then you had Jason Voorhees come along in the early eighties. Never spoke. Freddie, there you go. Yeah. And I, I love that he was the first slasher really to talk. And that's kind of what made him special. Yeah, was that he, he? Not not only was he evil, and not only was it all about revenge, he enjoyed it. Yeah, but he yeah. just enjoyed it. Yeah, he started becoming you know, more resourceful and finding the ways to prey on their darkest fears. You know, and that's part of being. You know, when you're in dreams, you're a part of that. You're, that's your part of your subconscious. So him having access to those private fears being in their subconscious he can he plays on that it's it's a game for him and and like i said before he delights in that made me think also this is one of those things of being a grown-up and thinking about stuff you shouldn't think about or weird ways you interpret things in this movie there's like four funeral scenes and the fact that like they are able for the person to die and then they arrange a funeral within hours in the next day <laughs> I, I, and, and like and that's the other thing it gives me I, I know the suspension of disbelief but everyone is sad their their friend died but then again it's at the same time like there's no grieving period I guess I don't know but I guess that's that whole turns into they're fighting for their friends that got killed everybody's dropping like flies too yeah exactly too well, yeah. if you live in the land where Freddie don't Freddy waste haunts, no time. Yeah. Well, if you live in the land where Freddie haunts, apparently the funeral business is a big deal. Exactly. So, you know, they, they have quick, quick turnaround time. Yeah. Well, it's, it's like when Andy Griffith died. I mean, they had him in the ground with natural <laughs> burial within hours. I mean, that, that, that was his request. And as soon as he passed away, they buried him in North Carolina. I mean, he was, <laughs> bye. 
<laughs> so are you saying, is it Freddie took out Sheriff Andy now? <laughs> I just, I, I wouldn't want to be Opie right now. <laughs> we, we said it here first, guys. <laughs> uh, well, another thing, though, there was a cool thing like this the junkyard scene. Mm-hmm. Where they go to deal with the bones and stuff. That's kind of neat. And like probably for me, because I recently watched the movie 13 Ghosts, the remake of 13 Ghosts. And like I got a lot of vibes. Like, I don't know if they got inspired by that scene or not. The the 13 Ghosts got inspired by that scene because it was the whole cars crashing and you've got the the supernatural murderer trying to take hmm. out people. I don't know. I know that the inspiration, of course, the for the Freddy skeleton was, you know, the old uh Harry Housen. Uh, stop animation um, yeah. type that was so th- that's where they got that Popular. inspiration yeah, for yeah, doing the, that the right. Clash of the Titans type thing yes yeah. right yeah. but I don't know I've, I've you know I don't think I've ever seen 13 Ghosts so I don't I, I'm not sure it's been years since I've yeah. seen I mean it would probably pretty much be impossible for for things to not be inspired by oh yeah no yeah Freddie yeah, no, no. you know I mean yeah. so so I, it's probably legit I, I don't think you would ever overtly have them come out and go yeah we're absolutely inspired by this because of you know yeah, yeah. Uh, potential legal issues but you know that's yeah, I, I could definitely see that for sure and then you know the big thing about part three too is that also learning more about who Freddie is his yeah. backstory we knew about you know from part one you know, the child killer and, and things like that. Yeah. But we get to meet Freddie's mother. Yeah, this is where the whole, they said if the whole his mother was a nun at the asylum. Yes. And unfortunately, mm-hmm. she was a victim of some of the crazy inmates and mm-hmm. he was a child of that. So like, you know, the whole monsters are made type thing, I guess. That's, right. You know, is essentially where they, like, I don't know, you, you may did more research on this. Was this really supposed to maybe been the last one or this was the last one Wes Craven wanted to do? Therefore, that's why it kind of feels bookend with... Well, he had, you know, Nancy he had some and, involvement, but yeah. not, you know, not the full on involvement. He was still pretty much um, subtle on the fact that I didn't intend for this whole thing to become yeah. a, a franchise. Yeah. He still had, so he had some influence, yes, on, on three. Okay. But this was also uh, the first film for Patricia Arquette. And she yeah, played, say- uh, she took on the role of Kristen. And people feel like that she's, you know, she was just a, she was the better, we're going to get into four, but you know, yeah. a lot of people feel like she was the better Kristen of funny, this franchise. Funny stories as we're talking about that. My next door neighbor, her mother, she says that's where her mom got her idea for her name. That's why she is named Kristen. So, oh, okay. Wow. So thanks to, yeah. So Kristen is where her, her uh, name originated from. Cause like three is like one of her mom's favorite movies. Well, I would appreciate that a lot more than where my name came from. <laughs> my mom named me after a character on The Young and the Restless. <laughs> like, gee, a soap opera. Thanks, man. I was named after a character on Days of Our Lives. So was oh. my sister. So, yeah. Man, we're all doomed. <laughs> <laughs> I've always been kind of salty about that. I even told mom that. Why did you name me after The Young and the Restless? Really, mom? This was not the last time that Robert England portrayed Freddie before uh part four part four came out what year yeah 88 probably 88 okay what what was the release date on the movie let's see hold on um august 19th 1988 release date okay all right so yeah all right my bad oh i misspoke during it it was just uh two months after that then so let's let's talk about part four move on to part four this is where but Freddie gets this is where he gets b- dr- brought back to life by a dog peeing on him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> this, is, <laughs> oh. <laughs> this is where it starts. That's, that's where it went off the rails for me. This is why four, four and five are not my 
are not my two favorites. Four is very interesting. Like I have to say, of the one of the sequels, I enjoyed it the most. Is it? It's because it's like you said, it's so off the rails. <laughs> well, this is also what has been referred to as the MTV nightmare. Yes, of the yep. franchise. I, I mean, it, and to just touch back briefly on part three, one of the things that started, you know, the marketing and the the mainstream of Freddy really started taking off after three was released. And you, of course you had the, the Dawkins dream warriors, warriors uh, video that came out of this. So like I said, now this is the direction that we're starting to head in going into four is the mainstream, the marketing, the type of Freddie that we're going to see from here out. Speaking, speaking, of, I, I, I got to hit on this. All right. So the dream master came out in August, right? Mm-hmm. Of 90 or 88. Yeah. Well, there was also another song that came out in August of 88 <laughs> that tied into the franchise, but the artist got sued for it. And that was DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince, Will oh. Smith. <laughs> they they came out with a song called A Nightmare on My Street, and yep. it also came out in August of 88. Wow. And, yeah, and New Line Cinema sued them. Because it wasn't tied to the movie, but right. they, they're they like, we want yeah. to make a song about Freddy Krueger. But they eventually settled out of court. And what happened is New Line, uh, when they when they sued the record label, they had produced a music video that, that they sued him for copyright infringement. And so the video, you can still find it online, but mm-hmm. they were forced to destroy the video, which is online, so yeah. they didn't. Yeah. But they settled out of court. And uh, as a result of that, a lot of the records that uh, of the album, uh, he's the DJ, I'm the rapper, which is is where the song is featured. Mm-hmm. They had to put a sticker on it that says the song is not part of the soundtrack. It's not authorized. It's not licensed. Oh, wow. It's not affiliated with Nightmare on Elm Street whatsoever. But I love the song. That's one of my favorite oh, songs. Oh, the song's from, great. Yeah. 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 But. I'm your th- DJ now, Princey. <laughs> But another group did have, and I, I I don't know the particulars of it off the top of my head, but I remember they actually got Robert England to rap on it, and that mm-hmm. was the Fat Boys. Yes, yeah, that came out in '88 too, but it okay, it wasn't uh, it wasn't on the soundtrack for mm-hmm. Part Four. It wasn't on any of the soundtracks. It was just a its own separate thing. Yeah. Okay, I just had to throw that in there since we brought yeah. up Dawkin. Yeah, well, we're we're in that we're in the same well, time frame well, of, this the, is also, of the franchise. Well, but- well, like the the uh, actress uh, Tuesday night who takes over the role mm-hmm. of Kristen. Uh, I don't know, Kristen. Yeah, she does the opening song for the credits for this because like I wouldn't I wouldn't pay. I was looking. I, huh. I like so I was like I was like that's that's according as it says it is Nightmare by Tuesday Night. Yeah, I didn't the, know that. Yeah, I had no so idea. The opening song. That's what I was like. I was like, this, well, first of all, it's very eighties. Like I said, and this goes back. <laughs> this movie feels more eighties than the previous movie did. <laughs> so which is weird. But yeah, like I said, uh, I was like, that's what I did. I, I started, this is what, around this time is when I started doing the research as I was watching too. So, but yeah, I saw that and I was like, okay, this is cool. The soundtrack's really very, you, very good for this one. Do you think that maybe it's because four kind of had more of a, you know, the campier feel yeah, more, in a yeah. sense than, than three did. Yeah. And maybe yeah. that's why you feel like it's kind of more eighties than, than part three. Probably. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe think. Sorry, jump around again. But you was talking about how this is the one where Freddy is resurrected by the dog peeing on him. The <laughs> dog's name was Jason. Was that on purpose or not? I <laughs> oh, what? I didn't know that. Yes, the dog's name is Jason. Was it really? That is yeah. hilarious. 
you know, there could be some subtle reason. Foreshadowing. <laughs> Maybe so. Yeah. But like this one's really cool. Like I like I think I like this one because there's a lot of like you said the 80s campiness and it's the MTV one. That might be why I like this one the best. Right. Yeah, th- this is where Freddy kind of le- starts leaving the world of yeah. just totally yeah. evil and enters the world of yeah. This this is where the movies turned and people started really kind of downplaying him a little bit because this is where Freddy really kind of kicks up humor a little bit. Yeah. yeah. But this is where Wes Craven's, I mean, he, he, at this point he's officially exited, he's right? Totally he's totally removed. He, yeah. yeah. So, the, so basically at this point, the, the studio is following the gravy train. At this Pretty point. Much. It's yeah. just he collected make as many as possible. Yeah. 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 This is also too, where you start seeing the marketing uh, with the toy lines and, uh, you know, it's funny because you're marketing toys for kids and this this man's a child killer. I'm uh, so proud that I grew up in an era where we marketed toys oh, based on yeah. R-rated movies. Oh, and we even had Nintendo games. I mean, the Nightmare yeah. Home Street was, yeah. was, wasn't it the first four-player NES yes. game? Mm-hmm. Yes. I yeah, you so, had to buy yeah. the adapter, but you could play a uh, four-player on that. And we also had a uh, Friday the 13th. NES game, which I, I I know has gotten a bad rap, but I absolutely love that game. The thing so about them games, like going back to some of them old games, starting to get off track. But a lot of them old games, they're not bad. They were just extremely difficult and very cryptid on how you were supposed to do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But once you know what you're doing, they're fun. Yeah. yeah. And another yeah. N- another marketing tool that I thought was pretty hilarious that around this time is they started marketing kids' pajamas, Freddy's Freddy pajamas for kids. Now. Yeah, I I, I had a pair. I freaking love you it. Did? I you did. You had. Oh man, I had a pair of Freddy pajamas. Mom bought them for. Like I said, mom was not on board with Freddy, but she was like, you know what? Mom spoiled me. Here, when I son, would ask for things. Wear yeah. pajamas of a child killer to go to sleep in <laughs> that kills you in your sleep. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah I, I remember it very well. I mean, you had the the really <laughs> jank looking drawing you, of uh, Freddy on there, but he has a Brock, did you ask for them? I did. Uh, I did. I asked for. I think I got them for Christmas. Yeah. I really would That's like hilarious. one of those Freddy dolls, though, from around that time frame, though. Yeah, they came up with the toys, a talking Freddy doll. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I never had one of those, but I did get the pajamas. I do yeah. remember those. Yep. This no. movie probably has the most 1980s kill of this, <laughs> the franchise when it takes place in the 80s. But uh, I can't think of I can't, Like I said, I'm trying to remember all the names. But anyway, the guy that gets killed by his waterbed, Freddy comes out of the waterbed. Yes. Yeah, it was and Joey. Goes, it, Joey, okay. Yeah. Goes to kill him. He kills him, drags him in the waterbed, and then his mom comes into his room looking for him. She pulls the covers back. There is Joey underneath the waterbed. <laughs> and and remember, he lures Joey in again by, oh, yes, a, the, by a beautiful naked woman. So yep. you know what Joey's weakness is. It's it's beautiful blondes that are naked. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, I man that age is kind of, yeah, it's a man that age. That's kind of hard, you know. Yeah, <laughs> I see not, what you did there. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm, not, I'm not touching any of this. <laughs> but as you know, as, four, as we start off in four, we you know kind of picking up from three because Kristen and Joey and Kincaid are yes. the last are the survivors from part three. They're the yeah. they're officially the last Elm Street children, and with Kristen being the final one of the three that's killed off, she has now passed off her powers to Alice and Alice is going to become our next hero for this one and for five. So this is an introduction into this character and what yeah, she the, brings to the, to the franchise. And the, uh, the actress that played her was uh, around Birmingham. Yeah, she was this uh, past weekend. She was at Atrox factory. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, Hayden couldn't get out there to maybe meet. That would have been cool. But yeah. When we talk about kills in mm-hmm. four, they absolutely, gosh, I, it, just thinking about this makes me nauseous. Because, right. <laughs> oh, part four, where we see the transformation into the roach. Oh, oh, oh yeah. my goodness. I, I I have the toughest time watching that scene, even to this day. Well, that, that it gave me that uncomfortable feeling that when you see Jeff Goldblum transfer into the fly, <laughs> yeah. that, that's that same vibe, I believe. I like, am just, a, yeah. I am not a bug, bug person. Nope. I, and roaches, they are, they, they instill so much fear fear in me the, the the screams that come from any corner of the house if she ever sees one before i do mm-hmm. yeah it, it's very loud yeah i i just it's it's crazy for me to be in fear of something that i can crush beneath my foot but these are the absolute nastiest most disgusting things <laughs> that i have that i can encounter in life and that that scene oh my goodness mm. It's it's I, it does deliver the great line of you know the whole checking in but you can't check deal. out ugh but still mm, goodness well, well it's funny how you were talking about the last movie about how they were going to have the nurse have the Freddy face mm-hmm. which is kind of neat though where this one you have a nurse you basically have Robert England in a oh yeah drag yeah, as the nurse <laughs> so like I, at that's first right. I was like when first when I when it show, it gives first time it gives you a quick glance I said that's a guy I mean you know. I was like, that's a guy. And then it showed again. I was like, oh, that's Robert England. Uh, so. <laughs> yep. That's right. I forget that. That was the one where he had the mm-hmm. appearance at the nurse. Anything else we want to talk about around four in particular? Uh, other thought I had, this is where also my adult brain kicked in, where the old Elm Street, like the Nancy's family's house, is sitting there in the middle of this very gorgeous, looks like gated community <laughs> neighborhood. And then you've got this old dilapidated Elm Street house. Yeah. How in the heck has that homeowners association not made them tear it down? Nobody <laughs> wants That's to grandfathered in. It's fine. Yeah. Uh, Nobody see. wants Other, to touch that place. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Do, uh, do, do you know what happened there, Bo? Yeah, that's no, true. Nobody wants to touch that place. <laughs> uh, well, maybe think also one of the cool, cool effects, maybe thing with this one was the pizza scene where the, fr- oh, yeah, the, the pizza the, scene, the meatballs. Oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, uh, essentially, like I mean, God, like it's gross. Yeah, it, it's gross, but it was really cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, and uh, I did hear something that uh, Robert England made a comment one time that of all the sequences in the whole franchise, his favorite one is actually in this movie, and that's the sequence when they find themselves in the loop, and then oh, yeah. a constant loop. He said because he said that is the ultimate realization of being in a dream. Yeah, it is that loop. Just a little trivia there, how Robert England feels about that. And also, and also, eventually he makes the quote about Alice, you're in Wonderland. Kind of that that makes mm-hmm. sense now. She's stuck in the dream and the loop and all that. But yeah, yeah that's... Uh, and then, as we talked before, we recorded uh, the whole sequence where they basically take all the other children and they reach out, hold him down, mm-hmm. and rip him apart. Yeah. The whole thing really about cool. it is uh, showing, making evil see itself. Um, and then yeah. turns... Allows the souls to rip him apart. Also, another neat thing. Also, I like how Alice essentially went Thanos, and every time she collected one of her one of her friends died, she like collected one of their powers <laughs> to fight Freddy. Yeah, <laughs> like she, gets the, she gets the ninja skills from uh-huh. her from her brother. Uh, the uh, 
what was it? Uh, I'm trying to remember what's the other ones I remember. But I remember like she inherited the traits of all her her friends as they passed. Yeah, which I thought was kind of neat. Well, right. And you know, back in the day, Bo, we would have said she went Highlander. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, after a Nightmare on Elm Street four uh, came out just a couple of months later, this is what I was going to allude to earlier. This is I, I had never seen a Nightmare on Elm Street movie in the theater. However. In October of 88 is when they debuted A Nightmare on Elm Street, Freddy's Nightmares, the TV show yep. that came on in syndication. At, at that point, I believe Friday the 13th was in syndication, the TV show that had no direct ties to mm-hmm. the movies whatsoever. But then Freddy's Nightmares came on, and I would stay up late on Saturday nights watching those. It was only on for a couple of seasons. I think they had like 44 episodes. But yeah. it was three. But the the series, it was, you know, thoughts that were running through Freddy's head. You know, Robert England was in there some. He would introduce the episode and maybe come in after a commercial mm-hmm. break or go into a commercial break or something. Yeah. yeah. He would be there and he would be kind of pushing the story forward of the episode. But you never saw Freddy like doing any killings or anything all in right. the show itself. It was it was all about what's what's going on in his brain. And uh, that ran, like I said, until 1990. Yes. So it's a couple of years. But in addition to Freddy's Nightmares, the TV show, Freddy got his own 1-900 number. Oh, yeah. I remember that. <laughs> yeah. All these oh, commercials. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That would come on. Yeah. Call Freddy. One, uh, like 1-900-860-4-Fred or 900-909-Fred. And you, you would call and you'd take on Freddy in a trivia challenge about that. You can find the commercials and stuff for it on YouTube. I, I, I think I snuck away once and called it, but then mom got the phone bill <laughs> and I was no longer allowed to, to dial a 900 number. The disclaimer says, I, I, must get your parents' permission exactly. first to call. I, 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 mean, didn't, I didn't believe I, in that. I, I remember it being really expensive, like per minute. <laughs> so, that's, that's, that's another generational thing we all can understand. The 900 number trouble you got for calling it. Oh, yeah. my goodness. What was it? Uh, 99 cents for the first two minutes, two ninety nine yeah. each additional oh, minute man. or something like that. And, of course, the first two minutes were all introductory stuff right. you didn't care about. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they know what they were doing. Yeah. So, yeah, in, in the middle of four and five, you had, like I said, you had the TV show. You had the 1-900 number that you could call. And I think you could get up to like $10,000 if you beat Freddie in a trivia question thing. Mm-hmm. It was yeah. Look up the uh, commercials on YouTube. It helped cover the phone bill for if you do the whole trivia, I guess. <laughs> yeah. It was. Um, oh, the, the commercial here, it says callers randomly selected by AT&T computers. Talk to Freddie. So was it a pre-recorded message or you actually talked to Robert England? Uh, <laughs> Robert, standing by to take your call. Yeah, I was about to say, yeah. <laughs> All right, what the hell do you want? <laughs> I, I I don't I don't know. It, I don't know. Maybe they got put onto a Freddy voice actor or something. I don't know. <laughs> gotcha. Talk live. I don't know. But anyway, yeah. So, th- so that happened immediately after uh, part four. Uh, we caught up with, with uh, Dream Child part five uh, a few nights ago. Jess and I had watched the first four movies. Uh, golly, earlier this mm-hmm. year. Yeah. Maybe. Right. And we just kind of stopped at four. And so that's why my memory wasn't chugging on all cylinders. But uh, but yeah, this week we watched we we started back up with uh, with part five, which uh, 
Freddie is, I guess you start off and you see, you see Amanda who got trapped in the hospital with all the, all the uh, inmates and you, you clearly see Robert England. Mm -hmm. So this is the first one where you start seeing more of Robert without the makeup. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's, you know, gee, he looks like Freddie. So (laughs) I wonder who the real dad is, even though, you know, he's the son of a hundred maniacs, but you can tell who. Yeah, you know who who's the dad there? Who had the more dominant gene? Yeah, there you go. who had the chin? <laughs> so you you see this, and of course, Freddie gets re you know, uh, Fr- Freddie gets born in yeah. this episode. He gets reborn, and in typical Freddie fashion, uh, as soon as he he comes out and he's growing at the the altar in that cha- in the chapel of the uh, mm-hmm. of the hospital. He's growing and everything. He's growing into his cloak. Well, you know, little little fetus Freddy is running across the floor. <laughs> fetus yeah, Freddy. Yeah, fetus Freddy. <laughs> <laughs> fetus Freddy. <laughs> he's he's running across the floor and he crawls into the he crawls into the sweater and grows up and all of a sudden emerges as a big adult. And of course, you know, here here comes the pun. It's a boy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, classic Freddy. Yes. And then we also uh, see that evidently, you know, the mother, the the ghost of Amanda is close by and it kind of, he's, he's, uh, kind of freaks him out a little bit because he's not going to confront his mother. Yeah. I think this is also like, this is where they kind of start bending their rules a little bit. Like the whole, you know, Freddie's able to mess with people even when they're halfway awake to it. And this one, this kind of started doing that also more than him being tied to the dream state type. Like to me, I don't know. It may I may just be noticed see more prevalent that he was messing with people when they're kind of halfway awake. Well, the thing about it is, is that he's you know we we oh, discover yeah, in, in this baby. one yeah. that he's using the baby. That's yeah, right. he's using That's the right. dreams of of the baby. Right. Because Alice, people are dying. Alice's friends are dying, but she's awake. Yeah. And you know, whereas before Freddie, because that's a, right. You know, Alice had inherited Kristen's power of being able to pull people into her dreams therefore you know making that freddie using her to kill through her dreams well now he's using the her baby this is the this is the avenue he has found himself in this time which the which the baby is is jacob which right what is speaking of which you know i realized after watching this movie the kid jacob is the same kid who makes the remark in Jurassic park about uh the raptors being giant killer turkeys I don't know if you guys recognize that. I it's did not know. Kid. I didn't know that. So there's your little bit of trivia. So I noticed. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, I didn't, I didn't know it was the same kid. Now, this one it, it features one of my favorite kills when you've got Greta. Oh, oh these right. over overstuffing of her cheeks. Yeah. <laughs> Freddie locks her in. He's got that spoon in between his claws and <laughs> yeah, eat up. Yeah, that, that whole sequence with all her with her, her mom and her friends are all the cliche upper echelon of society of how we're better mm-hmm. than everybody. And yeah. Yeah. And a lot of these death scenes were really cut down to appease the the ratings board. Um, yeah. Like, uh, you know, there's there's uh, they said Dan's death on the motorcycle was all these death scenes were far more gruesome in the beginning, but it had to be had to be cut down. How could that, especially Dan's on the motorcycle, how could that be more gruesome? Because, like, the motorcycle yeah. starts taking over his body and it looks very H.R. Geiger there for a minute. Apparently, you know? apparently there was more issues, like, with, with the with the cords and stuff running through his skin. So mm-hmm. I, Oh, wow. Yeah, they, so they had to be, these had to be cut down for some reason because it was it was really pushing that ratings issue there. 
but uh, other things, I mean, think I want I've, somebody had to make it if they didn't make it. But the Freddy comic that um, what is his name? Sorry, is it Joey? No, Mark. The names Mark. Mark. His comic that he drew or he's reading is the where he gets sucked into it. Mm-hmm. They had to make a print copy of that. That was awesome, man. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, whenever he showed up in that, you know, that comic type, it, it reminded me of the Aha video. You exactly, same thing. I, <laughs> yeah. That's what my <laughs> note says here. Mark goes Aha into his nightmare. Yeah. That is my <laughs> note right there. As soon as he showed up as like that the first time, I was sitting on the couch. Yeah, actually, here, here it is. Here it is, and I'll consider y'all talking on Mark. I'll cut on this too, but. The, the scenes that were cut, it said Dan's scenes, cables can be seen sliding under the skin of Dan's arm. A large piece of the bike pierces his leg and the skin on Dan's head is much more graphically torn off. But with Greta's scene that had to be cut down because Freddie slices open a doll that begins to bleed and Greta is shown to have a gaping wound in her stomach from which Freddie oh, wow. starts to feed to her. Um, and then we're talking about Mark's death scene was also cut down. Freddie turns him into paper and shreds him before beheading him. The decapitation scene was deleted from the original version. Hmm. So I, I, I like I, I kind of like the toned down version. I like that with it being like the him shredding him into paper. Mm-hmm. Speaking yeah. of which, with us going to co- conventions and stuff, why is no uh, we need more people doing Mark's superhero character? And Super Freddy. Why is none of the one has done a Super Freddy costume? Why have I not seen this at a convention? Oh, you know what? I thought I thought the same thing when when Super Freddy came on the screen. I'm like, well, look, I'm I'm a guy of size. I could probably do that. That's, yeah, like I like that. That was like, man, that was really cool. And like that, like I said, that, that's what this one was really really cool with that. Like I said, just the imagery. Like so there's a lot of stuff. I'm like, why has no one done this? This is cool. <laughs> And Mark was supposed to be the guy that plays him. He originally wanted him to be a little more goth than what he was, yeah. but he was kind of a counterpart to Greta. So they try to, yeah. you know, make him look a little more, you know, I guess, you know, why he's a comic book nerd to kind of give him that more preppy or look with yeah. the blonde hair and stuff. So I also like that his whole sequence with Mark, with him being in black and white, give Freddie that kind of that classic universal monster feel to it. Like you mm-hmm. see him, it's an old black and white monster movie. So that yeah. was kind of cool to see Freddie kind of, being himself in a black and white setting. Yeah. yeah. Any other notes on the fifth one? Jacob with all his Freddy aesthetics and his very deep voice <laughs> there at the end with the child. Yes. That, that was when I realized he was the kid from Jurassic Park because I don't know why it was. I don't know. But yeah, that was it. But uh, yeah, for five. I mean, it was a, it's a trippy movie. This one's probably visually the visually wise. It's the most trippy to me. You got the comic book scene. You got the motorcycle death. Like it's very wild. Mm-hmm. Oh, you want trippy. Trippy is in uh, this next one. In oh, yeah. oh yeah. God yeah. of the Vita. <laughs> oh, man. Yes. <laughs> Iron Butterfly comes in. But yeah, uh, Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare is the first one that I ever saw in the theater. And that came out in 91. That movie comes, that movie turned 30 this year. So my goodness. Gosh. Right, it, it turns 30, but yeah. te- in the first opening minutes of the movie, it says this takes place 10 years from now. So technically, is this movie supposed to take place in 2001? If I'm doing my, if I'm, I'm, I'm interpreting it right, because that's what it said in the opening thing. Hmm. Uh, mm, uh, I don't know. Yeah, didn't know that. Didn't, didn't, hadn't really thought about that. I hate that it took me forever, but I had to get of age, you know, to go see these mm, in the yeah. theaters and like somebody over here on the couch. Well, <laughs> I, I had an adult accompanying me to part uh, three. So. Oh, yeah, yeah. Your mom. Your mom bought you the stuff, but she wouldn't take you to see it. <laughs> exactly. And I actually, actually, she dropped me off at the theater, let me see this on my own. 
Oh, wow. Um, let's see, 91, I uh, was 15. <laughs> so, and I looked older, you know, than I, I looked about 17 at that time. So I, they didn't card me. Like, like I've said in the previous episode, they didn't care either. I would say, yeah, they were probably teenagers or probably five, four or five years older than you at the most. Right? Yeah. Like, eh, yeah. yeah go, go watch it. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, have fun, kid. <laughs> <laughs> I remember walking up to the box office there in Enterprise, Alabama and going up to see the movie. And, you know, they said, OK, here's your ticket and here's your pair of 3D glasses. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, 3D. This movie's in 3D. And they said, well, just wait and see when you get in there. <laughs> You'll find out. Like, okay. Oh yeah. But they they told you at the beginning of the movie, you know, there's going to be a spot in the movie where you put on your 3D glasses. You'll know it when you see it. And uh, so, got those tickets, went in, and just started off. And they had a lot of guest spots in this movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was that was a surprising thing for me, being the first time I watched it. Yeah. I mean. What, not even 15 minutes of movie in the movie, you get Roseanne Barr and Tom Arnold. Yeah. Yeah, back when they liked each other. and Yeah. Because <laughs> that was Tom riding Roseanne's coattails at that time. Mm-hmm. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, and then uh, Alice Cooper played Freddie's dad. Yeah, that was awesome, especially after me seeing him earlier this uh, week in concert. Yeah. So that was kind of a neat little thing for me. I was like, I knew he was in it, but I wouldn't, I forgot, I wasn't thinking about it. And then boom, I was like, oh, there's Alice. <laughs> Or Vincent, excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, there also is a little callback. We get a little cameo appearance from Johnny Depp in this one as well, yeah. too. Yeah, so, that was really cool. I guess that's what we'll lead into when we talk about the trippy. <laughs> yeah. Well, 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 this was the one. That, like, I think I think it's kind of good that it doesn't take itself as seriously with some of its stuff. It lets the campiness be great. Like, of course, like I recognize uh, maybe think with other people in this movie. Of course, I recognize Brecken Meyer in this movie. Of course, yep. he was very yeah. young. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah, he's, very he's got a big part in the movie. He and uh, I can't—I don't know if I'm going to pronounce his name correctly or not, but Yafet Koto uh, Parker from Alien, he's, he plays the character Doc in this movie. Mm-hmm. Yep. So now it's cool to see him take on Xenomorphs and now Freddy. Right. <laughs> I mean, that's the logical move, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this is the one where they, they introduce that, that Freddy's got a kid. Right. And, yeah. you know, and the whole time as you're, as you're watching it, you're, you're this uh the one kid who who gets freddie's driving a a bus and the, yeah. you know and the he gets stuck to the front of the bus and then freddie slams on the brakes because he can't go into the real world i guess but mm-hmm. you know he goes flying off the front of the bus and crashes through he, mm-hmm. he can't he can't enter into is he can't enter into or can't leave springwood he couldn't, he couldn't leave springwood i think yeah. is what was his thing so at, at the town line is where he flies off the front of the bus Right. He wakes up. He doesn't know who he is. He wakes out, you know, outside of Springwood. Um, so he's suffering from amnesia. That's when he comes across the uh, the shelter for the for the youth that are in there. And, yeah. you know, basically, you know, Freddie's sent him, in, in, you know, in search of of more teenagers to bring back. Yeah. Because there's none in Springwood anymore. Right. He's killed. He's killed every kid. He's killed every teenager in the town at this. And point. the whole town has gone nuts. So like it is like everyone is completely insane in that town. Yeah. Cause they, they're all missing the kids. You know, remember when this town was full of kids, but uh, the, the kid, uh, Carlos, who couldn't hear, who, mm-hmm. who oh, were hearing, man. Uh, a hearing aid, 
you know, he was played by Ricky Dean Logan, who was also uh, in Back to the Future Part Two. He played, uh, I don't know mm-hmm. how they pronounce it, Part Two, Data, Data. Uh, oh, one of one of, <laughs> one of Griff's gang. Yes. Yeah. Oh wow. And he, he was also a Needles Gang in, in Back to the Future Part Three. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was Ricky Dean Logan. Oh, that's cool. I didn't know that. As a person who has, you know, not the greatest hearing in the world, this <laughs> Carlos spoke to me. <laughs> well, <laughs> and then the death by hearing aid might be another one of the more wild kills of this of the franchise. Yeah. Oh, I loved it. Yeah. Poor guy. Getting yeah. Freddy's nails on the chalkboard. Oh, that, mm. like I said, that's one of the comical, <laughs> it's a comical kill, but it's really cool because, like, he starts with a little tiny chalkboard yep. and then he stretches it out a little <laughs> more. Yeah. Stretches it out a little more. Yep. And I was like, oh, no, he's not going to do this. Oh. oh, no. And then he did. <laughs> uh, it has to be one of my favorite parts of, of Freddy's Dead is Breck Admire being addicted to video games. Oh, yes. And, uh, it's as children of the eighties and nineties when Freddie <laughs> Freddie looks down and his glove turns into the power glove. <laughs> yes, yeah, and of now course you're with power, yeah, <laughs> playing with power. Yes. Oh, it was so wonderful, <laughs> making him jump everywhere and hit his head on the ceiling. Go, boing, 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 yeah. boing, 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 boing. Oh boing, boing. man, yeah, this is very cartoony, but it was like uh, okay with it, cartoony. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the power glove. NECA has, uh, of course, has a license for for the uh, Nightmare on Elm Street figures. And I've got a few of them, but the one I don't have that I need to get, it's kind of pricey at the moment. So it'll be a while, but is is Freddy with the power glove. Oh, they did do that one? They oh, that's did. awesome. A few years ago, they did. And Freddy's face is not the best sculpt on that figure because yeah. he, he's got that the, 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 the bug eyed, yeah. puffy cheek, you know, like he's hitting the boing, boing, boing. But yeah, he's, yeah, he's, they did release the Power Glove figure, and I've, I've got to get it. I think I could probably snag it for about 80 bucks or so right now. Another little thought I had on this, well, of course, you know, we're talking about his daughter, Maggie. I swear Maggie was Dana Scully before Dana Scully was a character. You're right. I don't know if Chris, because she, I, I got a lot of Dana Scully feel from her character. Like, yeah. This is like, precedes the X-Files by at least two or three years. As you know, we've been talking about, Freddie did have a kid, and, yeah. you know, it turns out that it was Maggie. It was not. Not the other mm-hmm. uh, yeah, he, character. He thought Freddie had kept him alive, thinking that he was yeah. the he was the kid. Yeah, that's that's why he was thinking Freddie kept him alive for so long. And it all goes, you know, in in order to to take Freddie out of this. When you think Freddie's dead for good, it goes back to the Maggie's got to jump into the dream world and get him and hold mm-hmm. on to him mm-hmm. and bring him out. But as she's in the dream world, that's where oh yeah, that's where she. You know, Doc hands her a pair of 3D glasses and is like, you know, this is, you know, you're going to need these and uh, they can be whatever you want them to be. And so as she gets into the dream world, that's where you see her put on the glasses and in the theatrical release that that was your cube. Okay, put them on. And that's when the movie went to the old uh, blue and red 3D (laughs) during that entire sequence. And it's it's kind of like Jaws 3D for me these days yeah. when they show the movies and they're not in 3D and they have like all the the props and everything coming up close to the yeah. camera. Well, like the first like thing 3D. she does, she looks at her hand like it's like the first shot. Mm-hmm. She's yeah. like, I guess to kind of, you know. Right. Yeah. And Ooh, this is 3D. <laughs> <laughs> and they, they didn't include the blue uh, on the Blu-rays. They did not include 
the three D glasses, and of course, if you watch it on HBO Max or whatever yeah. streaming service, it's not in three D. However, I do have the mm-hmm. DVD box set, which did include the glasses, and that section of the movie is in three D. Yeah. Made me think with this section also. This this movie introduced something kind of different with Freddy. Also, beside him having a kid, was these nightmare gods type mm-hmm. monster yeah, things. Yeah, the ones that gave him the powers. Right. Yeah. Like they're, they're like uh, you for you would think for this to be the final entry in the series, they introduced a lot of new things that could have you know really if they really wanted to carry on, they could have. Yeah, I mean they dealt they they went back and dive more into backstory again. Yeah, uh, especially with the realization that Freddie has a kid, mm-hmm. and uh, and even taking it back to where you know she's part of her the part of the sequence too where she puts on the 3d glasses that she's getting into his mind so she gets to go back and she sees these bits and pieces of his history from being you know the kid and the scene with alice cooper being his dad and and inflicting pain on him and these things that have happened in his life one thing they didn't touch on though is like it's it's mentioned in there they're towards the end of the movie of course it is towards the end of the movie but like the kids that died when they went to Springwood, nobody remembered them. Rick and Meyer's character, yeah. Carlos, right. when they came back to the asylum, like they were like, who? Yeah. You know, they never and, existed. Yeah. Right. right. So, like, on top of killing them, he erased them from existence. Right. Mm-hmm. But then, like, so that comes, you were talking about, you were talking about earlier. Sorry, I'm I'm going over my notes, but you were talking about this is where your favorite quote from the series comes in, right? When they come back to the asylum, right? Right. Yes, because now he is no longer he's been able to come out of Springwood at this point and he's going to go for this asylum because he's looking for his, you know, his next kill, his next round, mm-hmm. his next victims. And it's that's where he makes the comment that every town has an Elm Street. And then the, and then the 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 really rugged looking Elm Street uh, sign comes out of the ground, which yep. that was really cool. <laughs> mm-hmm. And of course, Maggie goes in, gets him, brings him out and. Mm-hmm. Guts him with a pipe bomb. That that's my one gripe with this movie. All right, he, he they take all these weapons to kill him. They kill him. Five seconds later, movie's over with. <laughs> like for this to be the death of Freddy, you would think outside of the montage of clips they had during the credit scene, there would have been more of a final send off to he, him. You know, he felt he deserved a better send off than what he exactly, got. exactly. <laughs> if this was supposed to be Freddy's dead, this was it for him. You know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I don't know what I would want, but I mean, you know, just something more than that. And also, I kind of think it, if they really wanted to, they could have teased that Maggie could have took on the mantle if they really, and that would have been a fun way they could have continued on and kind of quote unquote rebooted the series before rebooting was a thing. True. Yeah. yeah. Kind of Ma- Maggie could have been the she, next generation. Right. Yeah. And we can touch on that towards the end of the podcast episode where the future is mm-hmm. for Nightmare on Elm Street and, and Freddy. But uh, this ended and everybody thought, you know, finally, this is this is it. I mean, the title, Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare. Well, to coincide with the anniversary of the release of the first film, they they were able to bring Wes Craven Mm -hmm. back into it. And uh, he came back with, you know, Wes Craven's new nightmare, which was an interesting take. Yes. It was very meta. Like, I mean, it's, <laughs> <laughs> Heather is, is married with a, she's married to a special effects guy with uh, a son and Robert Shea, who was running new line cinema. He's in this Wes Craven himself is mm-hmm. in this, you know, everybody's basically playing 
their real life selves. Right. Yeah. Because even Robert England is in here as Robert England. Mm-hmm. Speaking of Robert England, is he really as centric as he is in this movie? Like, first of all, he, he after he makes his appearance, he's dressed like a 90s R&B singer, like a gray suit, <laughs> black turtleneck, and purple glasses. Like... <laughs> Well, it's 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 nineteen ninety four. I mean, we we didn't dress yeah. the best back then, so. <laughs> but yeah, uh, the the whole story focuses on the cast of A Nightmare on Elm Street, and Freddy is there, there's there's no more movies. There hasn't been any more movies made. Yeah. So Freddy's looking the the idea, the concept of Freddy is looking to. It's like. Wes, I think it was Wes, explained in the movie that without them making any more Nightmare on Elm Street movies, Freddy's got nothing to do. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. what that's what was being able to bring him back and kill him and bring him back and kill him. That's what was keeping him away. Well, in this movie, the premise is, okay, they're not around making movies to kill Freddy anymore. Freddy's like, I'm just going to come into your lives. And so this mm-hmm. alternate version of Freddy... Known as the entity. Yeah, I'd say like, he was yeah. like a demon or the type entity. something. Right. Yeah. And, you know, for his for his claws, they gave him a fifth uh, fifth claw that went on his thumb. You know, in the previous movies, he only had the four. And so in this one, and they're they're coming out of his his bones, his skeleton, his muscles and everything. That's where the claws are coming <laughs> out of. Going total Wolverine on us. Yeah, yeah. pretty much. So, you know, Freddy's got a new look at these dark, sinister, or not dark, but they, these sinister green eyes and yep. a lot more muscle in his in his build. Instead of looking so burnt, he looks more muscled. Right. Muscle and skeleton build. He also wears a jacket, too. That's another interesting thing to add to his look. Yeah. He's got like a trench like that coat. trench coat look, yeah. Yeah. So he, he comes back and he starts messing with... And this was, you know, this was really... It this was Wes Craven's. This was closer to what his portrayal of Freddy had he'd always imagined for him: darker, less comical. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So he had to go through all the movies to uh, finally get to the Freddy that he really, really wanted. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah, yeah. Sounds like it. <laughs> and and the, the, the Freddy in this one, he's he's scary. Mm-hmm. He yeah, he's very he's, like this guy's yeah. evil. Yeah. But like, yeah, he he goes through and he he starts messing with uh with Heather, you know, making uh you know calling stalkerish phone calls yep. and starts going through her son, right, Miko Hughes, who of course was um, Gage in Pet Cemetery, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken. Yes, he was in Kindergarten Cop. Yeah, Kindergarten Cop. Mm-hmm. So interesting use. So I'm surprised. I, I, from what I understand, Miko's doing well. I mean, they <laughs> being that young of a kid being put through a Stephen King movie and a <laughs> Wes Craven movie. Um, hopefully, yeah. He's doing all right. <laughs> but it was certainly an interesting take to bring Freddy into the real world and have him messing with the cast of A Nightmare on Elm Street. Mm-hmm. And all this was coming about, you know, the story was because Wes was having nightmares. So as he was having his nightmares, he was writing the script. Mm-hmm. based on the nightmares that he was having and that that was causing Heather to have her nightmares and for Robert to start, you know, cause you see him in that one sequence that he's doing that painting mm-hmm. while Heather's talking to him on the phone. So they both did, they both have seen this version of Freddie. So evidently he's in his nightmares just as much too. 
Speaking of the painting, that is the last time you see Robert in the movie. Yeah. Like I was, I yeah. read something, I read something about how they were supposed to have him like killed by like some kind of giant spider thing or something. Like it was something, they're like, yeah, like I'll try to remember. I pulled up, it was on Screen Rant or something. They were talking about how like uh, the Freddy was going to kill him because you would yeah. think in, in the real world where the guy who played him, you think he would have, you know, that would have been his, one of his prime targets outside of Nancy right. or Heather. Yeah. He had a, I didn't. I've never heard about that though. I didn't. I. I was yeah, I'll, I'll look that. it up. I was. Yeah, I was doing like because I was like, he disappears after this. You never see him again. Yeah, because she calls him and he's like, "Yeah, we're gone out of town. Yeah. We, don't, we don't know when we're coming back. <laughs> we <laughs> like, closed. Robert's like, yeah, I'm gone. We closed. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we closed. <laughs> but is he really a painter in real life? I think that's what took me down the rabbit hole to figure out. Because I guess that on top of the the '90s outfit, now he's a painter. Robert England's a much deeper guy than I thought he was. <laughs> I don't know. There's a lot of layers to him. He's like an onion. <laughs> <laughs> but I kind of like how, you know, they the the way the story kind of ends is along the they kind of take the ha- the Hansel and Gretel theme. Yeah. Cuz that's a story that she's reading to him earlier in the movie. So, you know, they use that to tell the story of going into the nightmare. Mm-hmm. And uh, for her to go into the nightmare to get him, and then they come back and follow the trail of breadcrumbs. You know, they push Freddy into the oven, so has yeah. a Hansel and Gretel theme to it. Yeah, I didn't think about that. The mm-hmm. person in the oven. Mm-hmm. Yeah. One thing I did notice while watching this movie, where you're talking about where the the horror movie was coming real life, I think a lot of seeds that like kind of inspired Wes Craven to do Scream may have originated in this movie. You know, like there was a lot of things like I feel because I've seen Scream more recently. And I was like, there's a lot of vibes to Scream in this one. The whole Mm -hmm. scary movies becoming reality type thing. Yeah. And I'll tell you something. Brock's never seen Scream. What? (laughs) (laughs) I am ashamed. He has not seen it. As as much as I love Wes Craven, I've never seen Mm -hmm. the Scream series. And so I I told her I would would watch them. It's phenomenal. The first two are really good. I don't know about three and four, but the first two are really great. Yeah. Well, especially with with a new one coming out, yeah, I really want to sit down and see all these before I see that one. Actually. Is the new one also Wes Craven? Well, no, sadly, Wes passed back in what 2015. Yeah, it was a few years okay. ago. I didn't know if it was like something he he like would have written or something like that. Well, it's it's tying back into the original characters, from what I understand. They're, yes, they, yeah. the yeah. killer is going yeah. after uh, relatives of the original mm-hmm. cast. Yeah. Okay, that's cool. No, sorry, I didn't mean to derail us on that. But no, it's back fine. To hey, it's still Wes Craven, <laughs> yeah. so it's somewhat related. And. Yeah. <laughs> Just hitting on Wes really quickly. I I waited too late before he passed away. On his official website, they offered up if you went to his website and bought any of his that exclusive to that site of uh, the Freddy shirts mm-hmm. or anything. You know, you got a signed photo of him and everything. And there's this one really really neat shirt. I think it's still on the site, but I don't know if you can buy it because I don't know if his estate's taking care of that stuff. But it's it's just a it's a light kind of a heather gray t-shirt but on the front it's got the claws sticking coming like the perspective of the claws coming out of the shirt and ripping down the shirt and it's just a really neat angle mm. and that i don't know if you can still get that shirt or not but man it's it's beautiful mm. I, I i was about to I, w- I was on the fence of getting it and i, I found it right before he passed away yeah. like, man well, I don't, I don't know if you want to kind of get too deep into this, but I guess just to maybe tie a bow on everything, because it kind of falls out of the quote unquote nightmare on Elm Street. But 
you know, we finally ended up getting that big battle that everyone had always hoped and dreamed oh, yeah. for in Freddy uh, versus Jason. But before that, oh yeah, but, but before that, Paramount did the first eight movies of Friday the Thirteenth, and after the eighth one, they sold the rights. Mm-hmm to Friday the 13th over to New Line Cinema. That's right. Which initially yep. started setting this up. But in, right. in, you know, Jason Goes to Hell, which was Friday the 13th Part 9, at the very end of the mm-hmm. movie, G- spoiler yep. alert, <laughs> you know, oh, man. Jason, Jason's mask is laying in the dirt and all of a sudden, up from the ground comes Freddy's glove, grabs Jason's mask and brings it into the ground, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, signifying Jason going to hell. So that that was like that got everybody hyped because mm-hmm. yep. that movie was not that great. You know, mm. <laughs> you had no. Jason's no. spirit in, in running around killing people and not Jason himself, mm-hmm. which was highly disappointing. But, you know, at the end, there's the teaser. Yeah. Up, I mean, up the mask. Because you've got those two, because those two were the most iconic. I mean, of course, you had Michael Myers, but the, I think them two were more synonymous with each other because they were the more supernatural killers. Where Michael was the deranged guy that just right. kept surviving. Where Freddie and Jason, you know, they were the big bad monsters. Right. Yep. Well, in two thousand three, New Line finally put it together. And Jeez, that was that long got, ago. Yeah, wow. two thousand three, man. <laughs> two thousand three. Yeah. You know, we we so we sit here and realize, oh my. Goodness, it was that long ago. I'm this old and I was, oh, man. I, I remember watching all the hype. I remember watching the weigh-in when they showed, like I either recorded yeah. it or whatever it was, the weigh-in. <laughs> like, I was all hyped for that movie. I mean, how could you not be? Well, it, you know, it's got its critics, including some close friends of ours. But um, I loved it because that was the oh, showdown fun. you wanted to see. And it, I, I think they did the movie pretty well. I enjoyed uh, it. Well, I, like I said, it did itself well. I like how they, it, Freddie needed Jason to do his work, but yet, you know, it still allowed Jason to be Jason. Right. Like there were two, like it was, there were basically two sides of the same coin. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I like your, uh, I still like your story about seeing oh, it in the theater. Oh, yeah. yeah. So yeah. You, like said, if, if you didn't hear the previous episode, Bo has a wonderful theatrical yeah. experience with this movie. Uh, like I said, this will live. Like I said, live with me to my dying days. And it's like I said, we were sitting there. Of course, it reaches the part where they finally drag Freddy into the real world for him and Jason to fight each other. And guy, probably ten rows in front of me, stands up, shouts at the top of his lungs, points the screen, and goes, "Something him up, Jason, <laughs> or mess him up, Jason." But a different word. It was another four-letter word instead yeah, of mess. Yeah, mess him up, Jason. And like, I mean, it was, it was still, and I have to say, people were, it was, you know, people laughed and kind of clapped at the same time. But I still, that's every time I watch that movie, every time that it comes up to that scene, because probably this is probably the most watched movie of Freddy I've seen, just because mm-hmm. I liked it that much. I had fun. Yeah, the same it. for me. Yeah, it's just it's I mean, fun. The thing is, you know, you, you I haven't really been saying much. You talking about like a lot of the these yeah. these other movies in between. With me, it's generally I watch the first one. Or I'll watch Freddy versus Jason. Mm. It's I mean, the first one was the one that set it up and it was the one that always like brought me to it. But but Freddy versus Jason, that movie's just fun. It's just yep. a fun movie to watch. Mm-hmm. It's 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 great because like it, it, like I said, Joe, you, you see Freddy mess with him. I mean, Freddy calling him a big mama's boy is yeah. great, <laughs> great thing. That's just Freddy being Freddy. That's yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, he loves to 
Let's do it. Antagonize. And what I like is it, it ends where both fans of both franchises are happy. I mean, mm-hmm. you both get to see Freddie and Jason just clobber each other. And of course, like I said, we're going spoilers, but you know, you know, 2003, you know, I mean, you got <laughs> eventually it looks like Jason wins the physical battle, but then you see him toting Freddie's head and then Freddie winks at the camera at the end. Therefore, you know, right. You know, he uh, Jason it's not was, over. Yeah. <laughs> but and, and, and it wasn't supposed to be over mm-hmm. They They had plans to bring Ash from Evil Dead. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Freddy versus Jason versus Ash. And things fell through. That movie never got made, but they, oh, they did man. turn it into a comic book. Yep. Oh, that was would have been so wonderful. I just. uh I mean, I love, as, campy I love as, Dead, so. as campy as like Evil Dead, the Evil Dead universe is, oh, that would have like married like perfectly. It would have just been beautiful. Think about Bruce Campbell's Ash and Robert England's Freddy just hitting uh, one-liners at each other. Boom, boom, boom. Oh, the movie great. would just ride itself. You could just set them two down and it would have been like a bunch <laughs> Just turn, up, just turn them loose. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> would have been even more hilarious if it had been like directed by Sam Raimi. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Fun fact about another horror movie. I was watching Phantasm the other day. And... Uh, I don't think it was a, it may have been the first one or the second one. And there's one part in the morgue where they're grounding up bones that have just gone through the cremation process. And as the bones are pouring into the bag, the bag has Sam Raimi and a, an address on it. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, that, uh, that really, that did it for Robert England as far mm-hmm. as being on the big screen. Yeah. As, as Freddy Krueger, and he is, you know, he's 74 now. Jeez. He's in his mid-70s. Oh. So, yeah, his his days of playing Freddy are, are very likely over. But he has said that if they were to reboot the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise, which that thing's been in legal limbo, the rights to it, uh, has been yeah. going through <laughs> Wes's estate and some other shareholders, I think they might have gotten straightened out. I'm not exactly sure. <laughs> well, it's so weird. It and Friday the th- Friday the Thirteenth have both had their legal battles with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah. and Friday the Thirteenth, yeah, there there could still it could still go to the the Supreme Court. If you don't know what we're talking about, um, the guy who wrote the screenplay for the original Friday the Thirteenth movie, Victor, um, oh, his last name's escaped me, but his, his first name is Victor. Uh, Victor and Sean Cunningham, who runs Horror Inc., who has been in charge of who he Sean was the original director of Friday the Thirteenth and has been in charge of the franchise ever since then. They've been going back and forth through this legal battle. Victor claims, you know, the intellectual rights to to Friday the Thirteenth, and he he didn't get paid a whole lot, uh, from what I understand, over the years. I mean, that, this this could have really set this man up for life to to have the the legal rights to Friday the 13th and to Jason. So he sued for the rights and they've been going back and forth. Long story short, the most recent appeal gave the rights to Victor, gave the rights to the writer, but only like young Jason, like kid Jason and Pamela Voorhees, Hmm. that first movie. So Horror Inc., from what I understand, has the rights now to Hockey Mask Jason because they, you know, the wow. Hockey Mask didn't come into play until part three. Right. Yep. So he's got he, Horror Inc. has the rights to that. 
So now they've got to sit down at it. Unless they take it to the Supreme Court, which I highly doubt. And Larry Zerner, who played Shelley in uh, part three, who essentially gave Jason the mask. Mm-hmm. He's actually a copyright uh, intellectual property attorney. And he's actually been commenting on this. It's kind of neat to see Shelley from part three. Uh, yeah. <laughs> b- b- you know, dishing this out for fans and uh-huh. here's what's happening. So it's, he right. he doesn't think it's going to go to the Supreme Court because two appeals, two different courts rulings have happened now on this. So basically, Victor and Sean have to sit down and say, okay, we need to make more Friday the 13th stuff. So we got to figure out where the money's going to be divided for this stuff. So if they can sit down at a table, reach a compromise on, okay, we're going to, we're going to re you know, give Friday the 13th another go. You're going to get this much. Okay. That sounds good. You can use this. Okay. Then we're going to get more Friday the 13th. stuff. it's going to be coming, but they've got to sit down and work out the monetary specifics for it. Yeah. So you so you're telling me we're going to get, um, we're finally going to get Freddy Krueger from the nursing home. Uh, well, <laughs> and, and picking that back up, I'm glad you reminded me because my brain slipped, um, <laughs> and picking that back up, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street has been kind of, like I said, with, with Wes passing away, I think it's in his family's estate and everything, the rights for that. Um, anyway, for all this to work out now, you know, Robert England has just gotten to that age. He, he, he cannot do the physical Freddy stuff anymore. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so his idea has been, okay, bring Freddy back, bring Nightmare on Elm Street back, but have Freddy as different incarnations. Freddy would be a specific incarnation to this person's dream or this person's dream or something. Kind of have him as a shape-shifting version of Freddy. Well, I thought it'd be neat. We'd be modern with kind of, you know, spread it, like make him spread him out as, you know, with modern day, they wanted to capitalize on the cool kids with social media and stuff, kind of make him like the digital demon type thing, you know, something where hmm. he, like you said, everybody has their interpretation of him. Right. Mm-hmm. So that'd be a way for him to affect more people rather than just be limited to the worlds of, you know, spring, Springwood. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Hmm. Interesting little thought there. Yeah. Maybe before we before we get too far, yeah, uh, don't forget to tell your story, Brock. You was wanting to tell your That's personal right. story with Robert. Well, Robert England, I love this man so much. He is awesome, and one of the reasons I'm surprised I was able to tell anything and talk coherently through these stories because I'm sitting here as we're trying to. I've been going through photos trying to figure out exactly when I met him. He came to Dragon Con. Uh, oh, golly, it was probably. See, this is where I was. I was trying to find the pictures. It was a few years ago. He came to Dragon Con, and you know, Robert England is my, as I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, Nightmare on Elm Street is my favorite horror franchise. I love Freddy Krueger, love Robert England, and he came to Dragon Con, and I'm like, okay, he's, I've got a Freddy glove with the metal claws and everything else. You know, they're not sharp, but they're metal. And the, the, it, it's a great glove. So I've got it in my backpack and I'm standing in line. I'm the first person in line uh, when they were doing Robert's photo ops. I'm like, well, I got I got to meet him. I'll get his autograph afterwards. So I'm standing in line and they come out and they say, 
Hey, does anybody have a Freddy Krueger glove that Robert can wear for the photo shoots? (laughs) And I turned around and I said, I've got mine right here in my backpack. They said, can we see it? And I pulled it out, you know, and it's the metals, the leather. They're like, this is perfect. Come with us. (laughs) And I'm like, wait, what? I'm in in line. Nope. The photographers are telling you to get out of line and follow them. Okay. Sure. So I'm walking back there, back uh, behind the line and into this back room. And standing right there is Robert England. And he goes, Robert, we got you a glove. He goes, oh, man, this is great. Fantastic. Thanks. Hey, what's your name? My name is Brock. Uh, Wonderful to meet you. I've been waiting for this for like my entire life (laughs) to meet Robert England. He's like, oh, great. Let's uh, let's go up here and grab some pictures before the crowd comes in. <laughs> and I'm like, yes, please. Uh, what? <laughs> sure. So Robert England puts on my glove. Freddy Krueger himself is wearing my Freddy glove. And so before the rest of the crowd gets in there, he, we go up to the photographers and we get a few pictures made. So I paid for one picture for the photo op and wound up with a few. Because Robert was like, no, take more, take more. This guy, this guy's got the glove. And so Robert's doing it. And I'll post these on the, the social media accounts. I actually go back on the social and show you guys a couple of the pictures of, of Robert wearing my glove and like, he's got his head pressed against mine. He's got the glove underneath my lanyard, like he's cutting it and with a maniacal face. I'm like, this is fantastic. This is great. I'm getting one-on-one time with Robert England doing photos. And so they're like, okay, can you come back here and, and wait a second? While he finishes up, I'm like, yeah, he can use my glove for all his photos. No problem. So I go back and I'm sitting there and I'm watching everybody else come through the line and get their photos with me. It was a long line for him. Well, after that, they had some, he had to be somewhere else, but it wasn't until like 45 minutes later or whatever. He After he was done with his photos, he came and sat down next to me. And we just shot the breeze for like 30 minutes <laughs> back in this secluded room away from everybody, just me and Robert England. That is awesome. And he's like, mm. and, and, it, and we're talking about movies and stuff. And I told him, I said, I really enjoyed your version of the Phantom in, in Phantom of the Opera. Robert England was, mm-hmm. he, he made a version of Phantom of the Opera like yeah. in 1990. Yeah. And so we got to talking about that. He's like, wow, you're like one of the few people to ever mention this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Normally everybody wants to talk Freddy. <laughs> yeah. And so we talk about some of his other works and everything else. And he said, hey, let me see your glove. Anybody got a silver Sharpie? <laughs> he gets a silver Sharpie. I didn't have to pay for the autograph. And he signed, <laughs> he signed my glove, you know. From Freddy, Sleep Kills, Robert England. Yep. So oh, I've, got, awesome. I've got that in a protective case. <laughs> Never wearing that glove again. I love that story. So, yeah. So that's my my heart was. Uh, and on top of that, later that day, I got pictures with Elvira, too. It was a perfect <laughs> horror day for me. I That's been probably my one of my best Dragon Con days ever. Yeah. That's a big day for you. It was huge. Robert England wore my glove and I have photos of him wearing my glove. <laughs> and a free autograph. <laughs> I mean, it's the least, you know, you got he hey, you supplied in the glove. Yeah. He forgot his glove and and you came to the rescue with yours. And and he is such a sweet mm-hmm. guy. You would never think that the guy who played one of the most maniacal evil Yeah horror icons 
would be as nice as he is. And he was just down to earth and funny. And that's and what Wes, soft-spoken. And, and that's exactly well, what he's just Wes, a great actor. Well, Wes Craven was, said that about him in the beginning. He's like, I don't know. This guy is just, I think, <laughs> I said, I think he's just going to be a little too nice. But he did say that he could, you know, kind of even under that niceness, he could tell that he could, you know, take some delight in some evil. Yeah. In an evil persona. So I, I love Robert England. Uh, the guy is a horror hero of mine. The horror hero. Of mine, so I want to say that might have been 2011 because that was the same year Stan Lee was at Dragon Con, and I got a photo with Stan Lee and Robert England that that year. Yeah, yeah. I got a photo with Stan too. So if that's the year, then yeah, that's that's got to be 2011. I'm believing that's with the year. Sorry, I've been digging trying to look through my pictures too. So <laughs> <laughs> to help you out because it's bothering me too. I'll show those pictures. That that was a dream ha, day for me. Uh-huh. <laughs> no nightmares that day. I was I was having good dreams. Good dreams. Well, now the part where we, I, I didn't want to go, but we've got to because it's part of the legacy. Mm. It, well, I don't know if it's part of the legacy, but it's part of the Nightmare on Elm Street right. world is uh, the reboot. Or remake. or Yeah, the it? remake. Um, in I still haven't watched it. Don't. Yeah. I want to watch it for more of a uh, curiosity. Yeah. Yeah. You, you need to watch it. Because I like Jackie Earl Haley. I, I, he's a good actor. I enjoy it. I'm yep. sure I can differentiate a bad movie with a good actor type thing. Jackie Earl Haley does a good job of Jackie Earl Haleying Freddy Krueger. Mm-hmm. Yes. Nobody will ever be Robert. No. Nobody. No. And that's why, Not- I, that's why I love Robert's idea of making Freddy whatever form you want him to be if you're going to redo it because you mm-hmm. you're, you cannot pull Robert England. I mean, even even in in Freddy's Revenge, you know, they had talked about recasting Robert, you know, to do a lot yep. of stunt work or whatever. And the guy who did it was just he was robotic. He didn't have Robert's, you know, swagger and yep. everything. They're like, no, but it's, it's yep. got to be Robert. So right. Robert's forever Freddy Krueger. But Jackie Earl Haley did an okay job as Freddy, but the movie itself and the story, you know, they, they tried, mm-hmm. but you know, like, like Jessica was talking earlier about, they had to scale back the child molestation aspect of Freddy and just have him as a child killer back in the eighties. This one went full on. He's in a preschool and he's diddling kids. Yeah. Yeah. They, yeah. Didn't, they didn't hold back on this one. No, there was no holding back. <laughs> and honestly, Freddie looks more like a legitimate burn victim mm-hmm. in this. And while I like Jackie Earl Haley, he sounds like Sling Blade. <laughs> I've always His, called this version of Freddie Sling Blade Freddie. That's the, one of the things that really kind of yeah, bothers me about this one is when he talks. I don't get the same root. It doesn't ignite in me the same reaction as it ever did when Robert England talked as Freddie. Watch it, but just it's not Robert. This this is a, a this is a remake that should have never happened. It really should have never happened. Or they should have put a lot more thought into it. Well, I mean, the guy behind it, <clears throat> Michael Bay. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's well, um, there you know, I mean, he, he's he's really good at doing remakes that never should have happened, like <laughs> Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, watch it for what it is. And just realize it is what it is. It's a one shot that'll never see the light of day again. Yeah. 
Is it not perform or just the, the getting no, it's, it's actually the highest grossing film in the franchise. Yeah, it was the biggest moneymaker for the franchise. Is that because of inflation, though? <laughs> uh, it grossed over 63 million at the domestic box office and over 117 million worldwide. So it's the highest grossing in the franchise. But yeah, the writing wasn't great. And it, it, was, a, it was a harder pill to swallow with, with yeah. the actual you know, child molesting aspect of it. Yeah. But, you know, you don't see anything like that, but it's definitely in the story. Yeah. Well, like, well, they both, they both try to relaunch it in and Friday the 13th around the same time and both of them. Yeah. And you know, the the Friday the 13th remake, which came out in 09, uh, I didn't mind. Yeah. It's not bad. They, they really tried to tie up all the, (laughs) all the Friday the 13th movies and stick them into one. Yeah, they but, did the, basically the first three in one movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Derek Mears, I thought was a good, did a good job as Jason in that one. And it's got Daniel Panabaker in it, you know, from The Flash. And I've met her at Dragon Con, and I like her a lot. So, you know, I, I give I give that remake a pass. Okay. Um, I know a lot of people don't, but it's uh, hard for me to give the the Nightmare one a pass. I'm just you can't give that one a pass. It's I guess I'm just, just setting my ways, but. It's forever, Robert. Mm-hmm. Pretty is. So. Well, that's that's that might be one of the greatest gifts and one of the, the kind of the things you know. It is him. He is Freddie. But I mean, yeah. like you said, his idea of making Freddie whatever he wants to be is a great idea. Yep. Yeah. So it's what it is. <laughs> it's, it, it's out. It's out there. there. We go. It, it's out there. But just like all the people who complained about Ghostbusters answered the call, the original is still out there. Everybody's yeah. enjoy I, what you want to enjoy, but. Right. I'll choose the original Nightmare over this remake any day of the week. But if you want to watch it, watch it. Well, I mean, I'll give it a chance. It's on HBO Max. So, I mean, yeah. that's how that's how I watched all these. <laughs> Just realize it's Sling Blade Freddy. Mm, got you up three fried potatoes. <laughs> <laughs> mm, I'm going to go find me some kids. <laughs> <laughs> uh, nothing against Jackie Earl Haley. He tried. Oh, yeah. I mean, I get he, you. Now. He finally got to play Freddy. If that story about him trying out originally back in the 80s were true, if that story is true, then good on him for finally getting to to play Freddy. But yeah. his his version was a was a victim of the writing and a victim of the story yeah. and a victim of him not being Robert England. Yeah. That's what made me think, uh, talking about uh, the series, like you were talking about New Nightmare, how Nancy and everybody else came back. I also read a thing where apparently – uh, Wes was too scared to ask Johnny Depp to come back for a new nightmare. Like apparently cause he was full swing in his popularity at the time. Yeah. I, yeah. I'd heard that too. Cause uh, that funeral scene, you had the guy that played Rod. Uh, yeah. yeah. I know the girl that played Tina, she said she was not available, but yeah, Wes was like, he wasn't sure if he should ask Johnny and Johnny had told him at one point, he was like, man, I, I would have done it if you would have yeah. asked me. So, <laughs> yeah. They would have had to cough up the money for Johnny at that point in time. Yeah, that would have been insane amounts of money. That was, well, 94, that was Edward Scissorhands era. Well, he was he did Ed Wood in 94, so that was mm-hmm. kind of around his time frame where he was getting more of the serious stuff for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, there there's Freddy Mania still lives on, you know, even though we haven't seen anything new, no new products really. Uh, like I said earlier, NECA's got the figures. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, Freddie was a worldwide phenomenon. There, mm-hmm. there's all kinds of uh, memorabilia out there. I love it. Yeah, I, I, I just I love Freddy Krueger so much. It's yeah, campy in the latter half, serious in the first half. 
it's, he's a great product of his time. That's one thing I like about it. like that. I think there would have been no, not another way Freddie could have not existed had it not been for the 80s, early 90s. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Freddie was to dreams what Jaws was to swimmers. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Dead on. Very good quote. Well, is, is there anything else we want to talk about with Nightmare? Or have we we exhausted this subject? <laughs> well, I don't we, think we could ever exhaust this subject. True, yeah. I think we've covered everything we can in a podcast for sure. I have to say, th- doing this, like I said, this watching this span of horror movies, I've watched more horror movies in the last ten days than I probably have in the last ten years. Because <laughs> like, I, I was like, you know what, this, uh, but I mean, I, it's it's kind of uh, kind of wet my appetite for mm-hmm. maybe watching some stuff I hadn't watched before, or kind of going back and revisiting. Yeah, yeah, we. Uh, like I said, I watched the first three Phantasm movies mm-hmm. um, a few days ago. Just they were on kind of as as background noise, but yeah, uh, I was able to watch them. We watched Halloween Kills last mm-hmm. night. Yeah, you know, it's, yeah, a, it's that's a continuation, a, I, but yeah, uh, we're not going to get into that. Uh, <laughs> and, and I'm not saying good or bad about it. Right. It's just yeah. we've talked for two hours now about Nightmare on Elm Street. We're not going to do you. another franchise. Hey, we we tried to we. <laughs> We talked about seven movies in a span. I know we rushed through these things because, like you said, we can no, spend- Eight movies. Yeah. Eight, 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 nine, if we include Friday the 13th remake. <laughs> 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 it's the spooky season. We got to get out yeah. of our system. Yeah. So, yeah, this is the, the last podcast for October. So, we wanted to, to get out all of our- uh, we, we, we had discussed going through a bunch of horror franchises. Mm-hmm. And we're like, oh, there's there's so many- so let, let's narrow down the focus to one franchise, and we all agreed Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah. Because who bigger than Freddy? That's right. When it comes to horror, Freddy and, and my brain is king, always will be king. Mm-hmm. Like I said, with a broad topic of this, doing this in the time frame we did, and I know we kind of sped through things, but uh, couldn't sit here and, and dissect every single yeah. movie. So, Yeah. And don't think that this will be the only horror-related episode that we're going to do, even though it won't be October once we get back into the swing of it. Where Horror movies are a, a part of being a geek mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. So uh, we, we may have uh, a guest or two at some point in the future you know, to, to discuss horror. And, uh, you know, we've got to keep content fresh for That's you. That's right. So it doesn't matter what time of the year it is. We'll throw in a horror movie. <laughs> We got to have ideas for our upcoming episode, so just see where we'll go from yeah, here. Definitely. So, any any of the other thoughts from you guys before we close it out? No, just uh, outside of enjoy your October, and, and if you're someone who decorates your house for Halloween, I want you to know that I love you. <laughs> <laughs> I love you too, Bo. <laughs> I'm just saying, I've just, one thing I've realized I'm driving around, more people are decorating for Halloween. It just makes me happy. So, mm-hmm. sorry. <laughs> it's a good thing, and, and we're going to leave some of our stuff up. You know, for the fall as well. We've got some jack-o'-lanterns that we'll we'll probably take down, but Hmm. we still got fall decor, so we're going to keep it going through November best we can. Then after after Thanksgiving, that's we'll get into (laughs) that thing. (laughs) So we it's been a long one tonight. We appreciate you hanging with us and listening to our ramblings on a nightmare in Elm Street. But like I said, every town has an Elm Street, and whatever you do. Don't fall asleep. Especially during the <laughs> podcast. We appreciate that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but to, to round it out, once again, hit us up on our social media at Bama Geeks. 
That's on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. We are kind of quiet right now. And uh, we'll, we'll get back to it. We I dropped a post yesterday during DC Fandom mm-hmm. about the Batman, Michael Keaton, tease in the Flash trailer. Maybe we'll hit on that the next episode. Because we all got real happy. Really, really happy. <laughs> we got to see Michael Keaton, at least the back of his head as Batman. <laughs> we'll save that for the next time. Have an absolutely wonderful couple of weeks and the rest of your October. We'll catch you back here at the beginning of November. Bye, everyone. Take care. Bye. Bye.